the wickedest man in the world. What? Who's that? It's the person who was going to be offering you what I'm going to offer you, but I'm not going to offer it to you because I made it better. And all I can say is, is we got a long show. I'm going to get right to it, but I got a sweet offer. And the offer you were getting before wasn't even appealing for football. And I said, wait a minute. How could we not give our favorite fans, and I tell you guys always, you're my favorite, how not to give them a sweet offer for the conference championships? I found it unacceptable. I'm not saying it was AJ. I'm not. The wickedest man in the world. AJ, do you think that? It was not me. That's what I'm saying. A lot of people would think right away. Sue from Sioux Falls would think it's AJ. I heard she died. No. Huh. No. She was that depressed I wasn't on air. Maybe. <laughs> but still, but still. So here's the offer. You're going to use a coupon code if you decide to take advantage. Dream25. All right? It's all one word. D-R-E-A-M 25. You get 25% off anything. No limit. Now, you might think, well, how does that take it? What's that doing for me? Well, one, any NFL package, Fez, AJ, whoever, Dave Essler, Hitman, Goodfellow. I mean, there's a a buffet. Whatever, you know, 25 bucks usually, 25% off. If it's 25% off, boom, dream 25. Now. If you want, there's a sweet basketball offer going. One month hoops, all access. Only 175 That's the retail. I mean, it's not the re- That's a discount. You would get another 25% off of that, which I got out to calculate. That's 44 bucks almost. 43.77, right, Scott? 75. Something like that. Exactly. <laughs> so if you're spending a little, you save 25%. If you're spending a lot, you save more. Think it's just simple math. And if you want to put in 20, you know something? I've just made another executive decision. Okay. Have them make that a multiple use. The whole weekend, they have a pass, a 25% pass through Monday. So let's say you get hot and you win some NFL. You might say, God darn it, I'm going to get that month of basketball now because there's only one more football game left. That's perfect, actually. Wow. Have you ever seen someone that's a customer advocate like I am? Uh, just Mary. No. No. <laughs> she She's good, but she in her heart, it's not. Like, I, I feel like I have an empathy for anyone that's having losing streaks. I think I've been there. Winning streaks, I've been there. I, yeah. I'm just an everyman. That's what they say. Well, not in every way, but as a gambler, I certainly am. <laughs> I can still remember in college, I, I had at least three or four times I ripped up every schedule book like a, as a way to say I can't. You know, like some people that are big marijuana smokers would break their pipe symbolically. I'll say you're— They went and bought another one the next yeah. day. But. You're much more of an everyman than Fez, oh. who in this pod you'll hear talk about 250K walking around Super Bowl betting money. He's, he's actually sl- – he's <laughs> losing. Fez was tired. He was yawning. He had his shoes off at one point. I mean, it was crazy. I've never seen someone take her shoes off in a podcast. <laughs> Have you, Scott? No. I mean, there's a lot to let. But what I'll say is this. He is getting further and further away from reality. I, I agree with that. 
He's in this. We're late in the season. He's in this Fez world, which is a place that he makes a lot of money. So it's like we all want to be in that Fez world. But after I cash my tickets, I'm back in reality. He's still in Fez world. But enjoy the show. We got a same game parlay pod, the whole thing. We got an interview with a guy that won 118,000. No, again, just 18,000 on a parlay. So you got to commit to the bit, Scott. I don't know if you know that or not. You can't just... Darn, darn typos. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you go to pregame.com if you want to take advantage. This is available for the whole weekend, multiple use, 25% off anything you want. Maybe start with some football, and if you win a bunch, you can take care of the basketball. AJ, you've been hot. I mean, we're looking at this right now. This season in the NBA, which you're a spot player, right? Yeah. And in college basketball, you're a true expert. You're up 25 units already. Yes. Griffin Warner, he's a college basketball specialist. He's up almost 19 units. We got Steven Nover up in the NBA in college, Greg Shaker, et cetera. Obviously, Fez is always an option. Enjoy. You got that coupon code, DREAM25. On to the show. Conference Championship Week, and we got a big preview show with the full wise guy roundtable to my right, off an Ofer. Is that right, AJ? I know. I mean, it is. It's almost like people who are real long-term gamblers talk about like don't taunt the gambling gods. Mm-hmm. It feels like at a certain point you might have done that. Maybe. What do you think, Fez? I'm just happy to get above 500. I'm going to focus on. Well, I thought you, last apparently last week you were above 500. He told you weighted average, but now <laughs> on all picks I'm above 500, and I'm since I was sucking Wednesday bad for <laughs> much of the year. I'm happy. Okay, so AJ, you went three and zero, Faz. Yes, AJ went zero and three. Hmm. Hmm. Not good. Um, you know another zero and. I, I love how now it's celebrated when I lose. <laughs> like, another zero and three from him this week. And then if he goes over for the Super Bowl, I can catch him and beat him. How many picks does he have to have for the Super Bowl? We're only Bowl? doing just one this week. 14? He could have like eight <laughs> props. You could, yeah. All right. So all the only reason we can bust AJ's balls, as they say, I think that's okay, is he's 64% plus on the season. Last year you were, what, 64 Six, about? 64%. So you're finding your level. Yeah. Two, about two out of three. Yeah. Sounds about right. See, now you just taunted him again. Oh, I mean, I thought that, but that's the actual numbers. I'm I'm not taunting. I'm just You're telling I'm, the numbers. I got to tell you, RJ. So I have a conversation with the hitman. I'm literally screaming at him. We're texting. We don't talk on the phone usually. Uh-huh. And he's like, so oh. all caps. I, I, it's all caps. Like, like, and I'm, I'm like, AJ Hoffman has just crushed it. He's like, it's 65. percent The hitman's like, blah 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 blah. You know, small sample, la la la. And I'm like, I'm like, just because you went three and 14 on some podcast with your best <laughs> bets doesn't mean you can just say this is just random noise. I know there's a lot of randomness, but come on. Well, I mean. That again, that is a typical. And the thing about the hitman is he's a young guy. What he, he's still under thirty, right? Maybe thirty. Oh, he's got to be older than that now. Oh. Yeah, maybe thirty-two. Yeah. All right. Why are you trying to make everyone heavier, everyone older? <laughs> hey, if it comes down to unhappy blows, my weight advantage will carry the day. Not against Bernie Fratto, but certainly against the hitman. Yeah, but but but. <laughs> I saw you in a picture of some podcast you were on. It looked like you were Pat Riley. Like, I mean, it was like your hair was all flat. Like, it wasn't the normal pompadour. It was like, when you wake up, how did your hair look? 
it looks completely disheveled. And so if I'm if I'm in a hurry, I would just put but my. But do you do webcams like that are broadcast with a visual medium without combing your hair? No, I, I have three options. <laughs> One in the summer, I jump in the swimming pool. Okay, two, that's like a shower for you. Yeah, two, I take a shower okay. in the wintertime. And now, three, is this an order of preference? Yeah. Yes. And three, the podcast starts in nine minutes, and I just woke up, so I bury my head underneath the icy cold water coming out of the sink, towel it, and Pat Riley comb it back. How about, but, but that's the thing, it looked like Pat Riley when he, if he was in an old age home. I'm not young. <laughs> no, but like, you know how you could imagine seeing Pat Riley? I mean, he's pretty old. He's, he's never going to be in yeah. an old age home. But imagine if he if he had taken a left turn instead of well, a right. That was probably the morning I woke up like five minutes before the podcast. <laughs> so my skin was not aesthetically you can, you, pleasing. Remember, you can tell them, hey, I'm doing audio only today. I can tell them they that the night before, not like, no. not like when they're like, "Where, where is you can he?" Just have a, you can just have a picture of your two super contest rings that you mm. just keep the webcam steady on them. And mm. now it's laying on his jacket, put the rings on top oh. of the new jacket. Well, I think you would wear the jacket even if you weren't, <laughs> if even if there wasn't a video, just for confidence. Have you gotten your jacket yet? So we're negotiating. So the jacket is eight hundred and fifty dollars. Whoa, 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 whoa! So they told you like five ninety five? They didn't. They said a number. I was distracted. I was sick. I was like, like, like all over the place. I Imagine saying yes to something and not yeah. knowing. So then I heard not knowing that, the price. Then they're like, oh, I didn't get the credit card number correct. Can you can you give it back to me? And, and I'm like, how much was the cost again? He was like eight fifty. So immediately I'm like, you got a trip. You, you got a locals discount. I'll, yeah, a cash discount. I'll come on down and pick it up. So so, <laughs> so it's down to seven fifty. So I'm going to. Do, I got the I got the old folks. Well, that tells you how much. It tells you how much profit margin. margin yeah. How much margin there was in there. It's no not doubt. down to seven fifty. It's up to seven fifty from five ninety five. Pretty well, much. It's, <laughs> it's up from eighty five dollars. Yeah. With the cloth and with the material. That they got at Men's Warehouse yeah. and then they sewed a patch on it. You know what's funny? It just when he said, "Oh, I got your credit card number wrong." I thought Fez was going to say, you know, I learned that from girls. It g gave me the wrong number at various <laughs> points. Like, you know, like, hey, can I have your number? Instead of saying no, they say 555. Five, five, number, yeah. Yeah, six, you know, whatever. All right, the Eight, truth six, is the, seven. The truth five. is the credit card got declined because I've been using the credit card to fund a few accounts, offshore management, waste management. And so now the credit card company on that card oh, is so now the rumors, so the rumors are going around that Fez can't even pay for his gold jacket. Yeah, oh, no. yeah. It was accurate in this case. So. <laughs> I think and it's purple, I think by it's, the way. I think it's purple-blue, like royal you, blue. you made over 400 just from the um, the Survivor. Yes. I think you – and somehow you can't find a way to actually have enough money Jack's in, got your a clear, baby. in your account. He's that, got money on the streets, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> You Shylocking now? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, all right. You're gonna get the jacket, but it's a pound of flesh, buddy. Let, let's <laughs> let's back up for a second, though, because here's the thing: if you listen to AJ Handicap, your thought might be short sample. I get that part, but it's not. I mean, we're talking about what now? A hundred games? Let me see. Nine, almost a hundred games this year. I'm assuming, like, what is it, 97? It's it's uh, 119 and 68 over the last two seasons. You know, and in a world where we've become so analytic-driven and stat-based and everyone's just basing up everything on DVOA and et cetera, et cetera, you know what? There's something to be said for watching all the games and loving the sport to be um, to raise your mm, game in terms of picking that. winners. I don't think oh, it's Oh, I that. think it is. Here's what I think. Ooh. Can, I, can I jump in? Okay. I think that AJ thinks differently 
and he, he and he took he eliminated the obvious mistakes. When he showed up two years ago, he would make probably three picks. If he was picking every game on the board, he'd make three picks a week that were just playing. Like you can't pick that, right? They just won last week. They, you know, the look ahead line was four. Now it's six. You know, he eliminated those. And what he was left with, and what he's left with, is his contrary thinking. Is his? I mean, he's one that says C.J. Stroud's not any good, or whatever. I didn't say that. <laughs> I mean, it's like he's a contrary thinker, and just like Dave Esler. I think that's very valuable. I really do. I definitely think it's very valuable when everyone else is zigging to look to zag. And I've spoken to you about this, how one of my favorite handicaps is the good story. Bet on the good story early in the week and bet against the good story late in the week. When everyone dogpiles on and the line moves too much, then um, oftentimes you want to go contrarian. And and I've got some good stories that I'm going to mention about bets to make this week. All right. Well, that's good. I I think – like Dave Esler, I think this kind of contrarian handicap is more potent now than it's ever been, and here's why. There's more herd mentality now than there's ever been, where everyone wants to be sharp. Everyone's more afraid to not sound sharp. There's so many posers. Everyone wants to sound sharp. And if you are sharp, people tend to, and I don't like this at all, and Fez, I think you do a little too much of this, point out other people who aren't and say, oh, that's a non-standard Wong teaser. Oh, that's this. Oh, that's that. And then what happens is it becomes dogma. You've heard of that term dogma, right? It's religious dogma is how you hear it. It's these beliefs that are so entrenched that you can't even question them. I think most dogma, quote unquote, is probably correct in gambling, but it's not as correct. It's like how many times have you heard, Fez, like before five years ago, if teasers were discussed in, in a mainstream media, it was usually teasers for losers. Yeah, that's a great example. And in fact, I went back to the smartest guys, and you know them, um, um, Mason Malmuth, mm-hmm. David Sklansky, mm-hmm. great poker players. You, and, and they even say in their books, everything we write in our books, you can know to be true and right. I, I, think, mean, I think it's fair to say they're very, very good poker players that are great theorists of poker. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And no one would question their poker acumen and the like. And they wrote a book, How to Make 100000 a Year. Gambling, all aspects, and they they talked about sports, and it's some of the worst piece of garbage, a dumpster fire, horrific writing that you will ever see. Included, but not limited to, teasers. Teasers paid six point teasers. Remember, the average total in the NFL was like thirty five, and well, my more like oh, thirty seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I misspoke. Uh, but there are lots of thirty fives on a week to week basis, yeah, yeah, yeah. and six point teaser, even money. And they and 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 the, their analysis was if you teased every side of every um, in each direction, you only win each leg like sixty seven and a half percent. So it's a terrible investment. It's a sucker play. Don't tease NFL. I mean, so literally <clears throat> the best advantage play out there in the history, one of the best ones in the history At the of the time, NFL, especially because of the payoff. Exactly, way better than now when we're still beating these things minus one twenty. And these two absolute geniuses, dogma. They like they were lazy. They basically they they, they everyone had spoke they, the wise guy union guys all spoke. Oh, these are sucker bets, and they just accepted it. Did like eight seconds of analysis, wrote their book, and moved on to how to win betting horse racing. Parlays the same. Parlays same, the same thing, thing with parlay cards. Parlay cards or parlays that are correlated. I mean, yeah, both. But they dismissed the parlays because that was the dogma. That was the mantra. That's that's for suckers. That's not how you win. And so it just goes to show if you're if you're looking where no one else is looking. 
you can find advantage plays. I agree, and and I also think you got to be you got to be sharp enough to know the figure. I mean, like I would make the case that with the same game parlays. And by the way, we have a guest, <laughs> Roman, great name. Apparently, uh, you guys pre-recorded an interview with him. We're going to have it on the um, same game parlay pod, but he won. A hundred and eighteen thousand dollars. Oh wait, it was eighteen thousand. <laughs> eighteen thousand dollars with one of our nice winners, and then he added what one or two pieces to it, mm-hmm. so it was like a jumbo jumbo. A, week, a month in the Hamptons, right? <laughs> so, I'm not saying they're easy to beat, though. I think if the sharpest people are killing these same game parlays, I think that your instinct was, oh, the straddle's too much. Oh, the you know the correlation is going to kill you. And I would make the case at least half the time that you have sat through, you know, again, you get tired and, and stuff. I'm old. Yeah. But, but, but. The season almost killed me. I got I, sick three times. I would, yeah, that's the truth. I would make the case that, that, that there was at least half the time you left here saying, man, I, I'd bet that. That, that is a good point. And I think, that, you know, just to use an example, you know, um, there was a basketball game and Indiana's leading scorer. Wasn't playing, and word got out. College basketball. College basketball. Where is his name? Uh, if I misspeak, correct me, correct. AJ. And so, boom. So Bobby Knight said, "No, you're not playing." But this is like, He's yeah. This, so this is uh, the this is the ESPN. Um, I was not 100 percent confident Bobby Knight was dead. Um, the, I am. So, so this was like the ESPN <laughs> or ESPN two game. So they put up props. On all these players. And it's like, well, if dude isn't going to play, probably the other guys are going to get more. He's like a 10-rebound, 14-point guy. And so probably all these other guys have to pick up the slack. And literally every single one of them wound up going over if you were same game parling it. Just to throw out an example. Points oh, and rebounds. Now, was it just they were they were none no one in the marketplace understood the guy was out or why it, didn't it was it was not of the news was not because his props available. were up as well so there were four player props it was like the four best players for mm-hmm. Indiana they had Ware who's their top rebounder and scorer yeah, yeah, yeah. he wasn't going to play the other three guys were all listed too so just over on all those didn't touch Ware's and six for six how long after though the news came out anywhere did the line start moving. The, the line on the game started leaking. Like, word was – Wisconsin went from, like, 10-and-a-half up to, to 12 like, 12-and-a-half. And half. And, but it still wasn't reported that he was out. And I don't know when the official – what was it, like, minutes before? Like, 30 the minutes before the game. The when lineups they came after out. warm-ups. Yeah, yep. and, and, oh, and then I assume everything got pulled yep. off. Yeah. So, to me, this reminds me of horse racing when people used to do – and I think they still do – the off-track – where they would book track odds. Yes. Right. So the bookies would say, hey, bet with me. Whatever they pay at the track, we'll pay. But what they got exposed to was if it was a real long shot, a perfected that only had one ticket or whatever, that they would get killed because they might have five people betting it themselves, even though there's only one ticket at the paramutual pool. Mm-hmm. So the movie The Grifters, right, which is a great movie about con people, um, What's his name? Uh, John Cusack's in that. Christopher's mm, never saw it. Yeah, and the, the, his mom in the movie was someone who went to the track, and her job was for the mob. Whenever the odds were above a certain payout at this track, she would bet enough to bring those odds down. They were trying. They were like hedging, bringing the odds down because they didn't want to pay off track that bit. Like this was a big operation, right? I mean. It feels like here, usually if you knew Indiana's guy was out, what would you do? Gain three points on the spread. Right. 
Now, it, not that it was a sure thing, but you just got what, what did that six six piece pay? Did you? Uh, uh, we didn't parlay them. Okay, just but play, it's not, played each one of them straight. Well, that's idiotic, isn't it? Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to blend? Wouldn't you want to blend? I mean, they're somewhat negatively correlated because the more oh, one all guy, of them yeah but yeah, if you did yeah. it like a round robin i thought about this and probably the the right way to do it now that i thought about it was to play two team parlays and play one dude like to go points over and the other guy another guy to go rebounds over because those wouldn't be negatively correlated whereas that's if you, interesting. You know, so i mean I, I after the fact i got to think about it more I, there wasn't much time you know it's one of those things where you got you got to go, you know. It's like you yeah. never know when that news is going to break, and then you can't you can't bet anymore. So you want to get down. And something I you know I'm still trying to learn from Fez about like the execution of these things. And there's we a bunch of ten and ten and a half is in pocket, and then when it got to twelve and a half, he's like, "Give me the the, the so other they're, side." They're, they're the favorite. Yeah, Which, no, they were they, they were, were the yeah, dog. They were the dog. They were ten and a half. How point did he get to twelve and a half? News it, broke that that. Oh, that, oh their, so their, it moved against them. Okay, it, I yeah, moved two points. So and and. I would have I would have never thought to take twelve and a half like the other side. I, I just thought because I want I want them to play like shit now. But the game landed eleven. So fed, he, I mean he just murdered. Now it. what was your thing? Did you did you make an assessment? Actually, it landed twelve. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. Did Did you make an assessment that you thought the move was too much, or was it just a hedge? Was it you bet you figured you over bet? Yeah, I I, so, I, I bet my balls off figuring like, you're going to buy lay, back. Playing ten and a half, right. and so I I bet like. Two and a half times my normal max mm -hmm. bet. Now, did so, you leave anything naked? What did you leave? Yeah. yeah okay. See, yeah. that's the point. Yeah, I wouldn't think twelve necessarily would be like, oh, that's the way to gain the value. Now, if somehow it ran and kept running because of the follower effect, but but what you're saying is you knew it was going to move, so you bet two and a half x your top bet. Yeah, I bet like I normally bet like four k on a college basketball is like my max bet. So I bet like ten k one way, and then I threw back with the like intention, 5K. but with the intention of buying back. Okay. That's right. Um, so here's what I would say. For sure, the books are exposed on these same-game parlays when it comes to if you got any type of, like, real strong thesis. You know, you, and, and obviously if you have inside information or information that isn't yet public, I think they're exposed massively. Yeah, and I think that's the way to leverage that information, obviously, because I like, think about it. I mean, betting Wisconsin minus 10 half, eh, you know, it's a 55% bet. It's a really good bet. It's one really good bet. You know, as opposed to like life-changing money, if you hit one of these when you when 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 you when Roman knocks down nineteen or eighteen k on his on his uh, same game parlay. I yes. thought it was a better story when it was one hundred and eighteen, <laughs> but, but still, eighteen is nice. Eighteen is nice. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. Let's get to it. Um, and 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 I guess just to wrap the point we were talking about, I think because everyone's either scared that they're gonna be exposed as an imposter. So all the quasi-professionals are going to be pointing fingers. Who is it that usually points fingers and judges other people? People who are the most insecure themselves, right? Yeah, like so, me. <laughs> so if you're insecure, if you're a legitimate expert, what are you going to do? If you see someone making a mistake, it'd be like, oh, dummy, dummy, mm -hmm. point at him. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. And then everyone, and now even if you're sharp, you figure, well, how do I get across that I'm sharp? Well, I can point at people and say, you're not sharp. I'm sharp. So everyone's motivated to do that. And I think what it does is it freezes people, just like in any political environment. If you, if being contrary, let's say you believed in, let's pick something that's evolved. Oh, I mean, there's all kind of hot button issues now, but let's say, um, 
here's a great example. The uh, Confederate flag, right? Ten years ago, that was something people didn't like, but it was like a lot of shrugging, right? Thirty years ago, the Dukes of Hazard, that flag was on top of the General Lee, mm-hmm. right? Now, when the movie came out, I didn't see the movie. It was on there. It was on it, there still. Yeah. So that's been what six or seven? How long is that? Oh, movie? That's a long been time. Ago. Fifteen years, probably. No, not fifteen. Look it up. At least ten. Look it up. The movie okay. came out in two thousand five. Oh my God, it's been that long. Yep. Okay. Jeez. All right. <laughs> that doesn't seem right at all. Okay, but but fifteen years or eighteen years ago, it was okay, apparently, right? Yeah. Now. It's not, right? And the question is, if you f- could the whole world have been that wrong before? Maybe, because the world's been wrong about things. But it seems like there was a certain point that if you believed in the Confederate flag, not because it was about pro-slavery, but it was about states' rights or whatever the rationale, you could make that case. Oh, and, and, but, and- but, but the point I'm saying now, if you make that case, you're going to be pointed at, and dogmatically said, oh, that he's racist. He must be racist. No, no doubt. Like, even when I'm in college, I remember, like, when we, when I rarely got away from the Technological Institute and we were, like, in history classes, every single class I ever had on, on, on history and the Civil War was that, you know, the slavery was a very minor issue. It was barely, like, it was a tiny reason why there was a war. And now... Everything I hear is like that was the key issue. You well, know, that's, it's I, like they've I, rewritten the history book. Maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. I'm just saying I was taught different when I was a kid. And that's what's fascinating because what see it's it's such a nuance. Not that I'm an expert, right? I mean, but it's such a nuanced debate. What I would say is it's not as if you believe it's not. It's that you were taught otherwise. Now, why? Exactly. Why were you taught otherwise? Probably, I would guess, because it's uncomfortable, right? It was something like back in the 70s, the 80s, the idea of saying, hey, let's whitewash this a little bit, no pun intended, and let's not dig real deep and stare too deep at the atrocity, I mean, because, you know, slavery, an atrocity, right? It doesn't mean that Abraham Lincoln wasn't a good person. He didn't own slaves, but he, if you read through, like, if Abraham Lincoln were alive today, he'd be considered a racist, like, meaning based oh, sure. on his views at the time. But he was not at the forefront, but he was certainly in the, you know, uh, in the forward section of the bus that was saying, hey, let's. Because if, if Lincoln thought he could have kept the union together, he wouldn't have went to war. Right. So now when would it have resolved itself? I don't know. But all this is kind of swinging it back. The general point is that in gambling now, there's. To, to have an unpopular opinion about something, an unconventional opinion, you get more scorn than any other time in history because there's more motivation for people to point and say, he's wrong, he's square. I knew it, he was square. To me, the reason that's analogous to um, political issues or whatever, in my opinion, is I want conversation, Right. If people would have said Mason Malmuth and Skolansky said this and anyone that says otherwise is an idiot, then who's going to say, I actually think the teasers through the three and the and seven are valuable plays, especially at even money. Shut up, dummy. Yep. You know, it, it's like that to me. So if it's if it's slavery, if it's the uh, southern. Um, I mean, it's interesting with the slavery thing because Nikki Haley was just asked that question a couple days ago, and she seemingly was resisting saying slavery was a major driver of it, and then it became a big issue again. 
I'm no authority. It seems mighty important to it, right? I get why maybe the history books were inclined not to say it as forcefully, but I'm not sure the South, I'm, I'm, I don't think any other reason the South would have went to war against the North if it wasn't for their very livelihood. For them, it was perceived on the plantations that that was their livelihood. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, if your livelihood's on someone else's back, that's, a, that's not okay. But, it, and again, I just think the conversation is important. And Fez, wouldn't you agree that there's not a lot of talk about, you know what's interesting? Teasing totals. Or you know what's interesting? That, and if someone just has nothing to back it up, then it's like, okay, well. well, well and, that, and that's where I go back. To, and I think this is great to conversation because I'm open-minded. I am not get off my lawn. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I think you're wrong. I think I said something about te- I teased a total last week. And got ridiculed. Remember that? Well, 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 here. <laughs> well, when you're that wrong, well, he's <laughs> open-minded to his opinion. It won. The bottom line. <laughs> the bottom line with these teasers is you got to pick up 25 percent with the extra six points. That is undeniable. You got to turn a 50 percent play into a 75 percent play with the extra six points. So it's, all you got to do is show me each one of those points, do a probability distribution function, and say, hey, because of the, and maybe this happens in Army Navy games, for instance, with low totals, and maybe you say 31 is going to land seven percent of the time, and 32 is going to land five percent. You add it all up and say, look, here's the data. You are picking up 25 percent. I will be the first person to come over to the dark side and start teasing totals. But you've got to show to me mathematically why it's going to work. Well, here's the question, though. There is no. It's like the OJ case. How could they acquit him with all the blood? It's like the question is, was, was the b- blood legitimately OJ's blood? Yeah. Now, I think odds were very good that it was, but I think that unequivocally they had to acquit him. They, they, they could not convict him beyond a reasonable doubt watching that trial. Now, that's... I don't think you could. I don't think but, you could find anyone guilty with as corrupt as the LAPD was. It was like every single case you could argue had at least a two percent chance that the all the evidence was just tampered with and and and, and planted right. And you had a, a citizenship that felt like they had been oppressed by that, and finally someone had enough exactly. money to fight back. So th- that was a. But 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 what I know for sure is connecting the dots here is. If you say, oh, the math doesn't add up, the question is, well, what math are we using? Like right now, what is the value of eight? Because it strikes me that the Tampa Bay game is another example now. It's a great example. So the, I would have said, oh, it's going to land like 2.5% of the time. Well, clearly that number is too low. It's going to be higher than 2.5% now. Is the right answer 3.3%, 3.7%? I don't know. I can only estimate it. And you know what? The data isn't going to help me any because when— um, Well, it's going to be when, incomplete. Right, because when Bowles goes for two, I guarantee you he does not go for two 18 months ago when he scores that There's touchdown. There's been a tipping point with the 14-score touchdown for sure. Yes. And speaking of, like you were talking about, the dogma thing, like I don't know how—like the, the, the Lions-Niners game is on seven right now. I would say this is the least key seven in a game that I can think of because I think Dan Campbell is going to be so incon- uh, like unconventional here that the odds that this game lands on like a normal score that we've heard of before, like 21-10, it's got really good chance for scoregami, like being, you know. Yeah, but, the, but I agree that Dan Campbell is unconventional, but the question is, unless it's a two-point conversion – it might increase the variance of the game, but it doesn't necessarily decrease the chance of falling on a key number, right? 
I guess if there's more scoring, there's a better chance of a miss something. It's just the two point conversion. Yeah, yeah but my, my thought was like, if this game was like, if they if they had a chance to to win it, like if they if it was you know yeah, yeah. they score a touchdown, they've got a chance to tie it and send it to overtime. There's no time left on the clock. I think Dan Campbell's going for two every time. I think this is a really strong point that like an, an alternative line. I don't want any part of San Fran minus two and a half because spot on. This crazy Dan Campbell, he can score and go down one with like 90 seconds left. He still might go for two. So this is so you think this is something to play the tail? Is that you'd look for the Lions potentially if you do like the Lions straight up, and you're saying if you like San Fran, maybe you lay 19 and a half or whatever. Potentially, yes. I mean, based on the path. although I don't think I don't see any scenario San Fran wins the game. I, I loses the game. Correction. Yeah. Well, then lane it's two, unlike, well, lane two and the, a half doesn't sell. Versus the marketplace number. Yes. I, see, I, 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 I think Detroit is fool's goal to, to win the game. All right. Um, I think the point about, well, what, are, what is the math? Because not only can we – we don't have enough sample size in the modern era to actually say what these numbers exactly should be. We have the past that was based on different premises, and we got the few. Now, how you extrapolate between them is is not science as much as art, though there's mathematical elements to it. But when it's so far apart, like we talk about with like like the, the, the non-analytic people like – Well, yeah, if someone's saying something stupid, but what I'm saying is the stuff that's on the fringe – of maybe being able, I mean, because let's be honest, uh, Vegas Chris, a guy we've known for a long time, you've known, is you, we talked at length about, oh, he teases Non Wong, and it's a guy that's been a professional better, big contest winner, not at your level, Fez, all joking aside, no, but like one of probably the 10 best contest guys no doubt. Done in tremendous. the city. And he has been preaching, hey, there's a lot of ways to play these teasers, that you 10 point this, and... And you were very skeptical. Yeah, I was, and the ten point teasers I've come around to, where I've actually like looked at them, and they and they uh, selectively, they absolutely do make sense, especially if if it, if you play those ten point sweetheart teasers and ties don't lose, that ties re, you know are, become pushes. But I've told Chris that I firmly believe that part of his big success with his teasers is that you know what if you pick fifty six percent, you just, can do anything. You can tease. You can play alternative he's lines. Win, he's winning the original. But, but, but exactly. that, you well, play the see, money lines. You're going to win yeah. everything when you hit fifty six. A good professional batter isn't going to be then hurting his edge playing negative EV teasers. That, and then just chipping away at his ROI. So he believes otherwise. Yes, but but, and, but, and but it he doesn't matter. Win, it, but he it, would still win. It. Yeah, he would still win. He'd win less, yeah, yes. which which presupposes he doesn't know how to maximize his bankroll. Yes, which I think is probably not the case. Meaning, well, I I'm going to disagree. Okay. I'm going to disagree on that, but I still think that he wins. But yes. that's not the question, though. The question is: Is there some? Here's the only question that matters: When someone with that pedigree says something unconventional. It, it 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 to me it's the most exciting thing because it's like okay there's a let's say there's a one in five chance that they're right to have one a year that's a one in five of everyone thinks one thing and actually the other is true is so valuable I I agree an example I'm on still on an island be in Jacksonville I believe late in the game you score a touchdown you go down four it's a slam dunk you should go for two the entire world disagrees with me. Okay, but but that's something. It's exciting. Yeah, but but in that case, there's no way to necessarily monetize it, right? That if you're right or you're wrong. Yes. W- w- what we do is, oh look, you don't like that bat? 
awesome. I think you're probably pretty smart. I mean, think about it is if it was Harala Bob, anyone that's ever really taken a bite out of this business did it differently than anyone else was doing it at the time. Yes. And my understanding is Harala Bob and NBA totals discovered, hey, you know, the odds makers just taking the, the, the game total and dividing by two. And there's a lot of these teams play totally different paces, first half versus second half and, and player rotations, such it's not unusual that a Celtic total should be 230, but the first half should be 112. And he made a fortune doing that before they, they brightened up. So he had some premise that was that most people would have poo-pooed. Yes. And to me, the day, if, once you get to the point you trust your own opinion, the dogma doesn't matter. The fact that you can't talk about it doesn't matter. But when you're coming up, if you're trained that don't say anything unconventional or you're going to get a, a, a bunch of shit for it, what do you do? You're disinclined yep. to question convention. To me, we are gamblers. There's a lot of non-gamblers in gambling now. Mm, yes. And what I mean is gambling is a, a pirate's mentality, a swashbuckling. Most good professional bettors are like Fez in that he was in his mid-30s making almost 200K in as an actuarial you know, VP for Transamerica, mm. and he said, I'm moving to Vegas. Right, that takes a rebel to do that. And to me, if we have a bunch of people saying, hey, let's make convention the currency that we all deal in, Ugh, I want I want someone again. What would the odds have to be that someone's right for it to be worth paying attention to? Even if it was ten percent, if someone came in, and I said there's a ten percent chance what he's going to say is correct. Wouldn't you listen to ten wacky theories to get one true one? Well, especially when it's going to fly in the face of conventional wisdom. And think about how 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 awesome this would be to just be able to go and bomb away against sports. But ah, sucker! Look at what he's doing. He's teasing ten point teasers. He's ours. I love it. Mm. All right. So that was my main point. As it all kind of comes together here, is we should in this industry we should be free. It should be a safe space for wacky ideas. And you know what? The Dream Preview is a safe space for wacky ideas. Thank God for me. All right. <laughs> oh, I got a wacky one today. Oh, yeah? All right. Um, let, we're going to go through in rotation order the two games. We're going to start with a recap, a recap of the most recent game. So let's start with the game, KC Baltimore. But last week, the game was KC Buffalo. Okay, AJ, I've been thinking of how to handle this with you. Take us through your emotions. You are, for those that don't know, at a childhood fan of the Buffalo Bills. Yes. And you grew up in Texas. Yes. What was the thinking there? Uh, Jim Kelly played for the Houston Gamblers when I was a okay, young kid. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That and makes sense. I grew up with a Jim Kelly poster on my wall. That makes and, a ton of sense. Um, but that, my thought was the early in the game, it was going exactly the way I thought it was going to go. I thought the Bills were going to bully them with their run game. And they did for the first half. And I said, this, this, it was a close game at halftime, but I, I felt very confident. The Chiefs made incredible adjustments at halftime. And I think there were some, um, some blunderous decisions made late that cost the Bills the game. And you can't make mistakes against Andy Reid. You just can't. Now, what was the main decision you thought was a bad one? Honestly, I think the biggest decisions that were failures were on Josh Allen. Uh, I, I thought that late in the right after the two minute warning, the first two passes he threw going for the end zone was, there. was like basically trying to hit a home run. And what you didn't need was a home run because if you score a touchdown there, you're giving Patrick Mahomes two minutes. 
ideally, you get a first down there, and on both those routes, on second and third down, he had first down plays that were open in the middle of the field, and instead he took shots at the end zone. And I, I think that was a, a grievous error on his part. That's exactly what I would have pointed to. But can I, we acknowledge that on that on that one play where he underthrew the guy in the end zone? Yeah. He was open. Like, that's the same pass that he completed a couple of years ago yep. against the Chiefs in the 13-second game. And they said he got that, hit. I don't think he got hit. I just think it was that, a bad throw. Yeah, it was a bad throw, but that the route was open. Like, that, if Josh Allen makes a typical Josh Allen throw, that's a touchdown. But if I said, what's the better decision at that point, oh, it's yeah, not throw the touchdown. Yes, it's yes. get a first down. Milk and if you clock. get a first down, yes. Kansas City might never see the ball that's again, the point. which it, was the goal. It was better to get a first and goal on the seven than to score a touchdown. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Milk the clock and ensure that you're either going to tie the game and go to overtime or win it and not give them the ball back. And having almost a short eight yards on first down gets you eight yards closer for the field goal. You get another set of downs. You can start milking mm-hmm. the clock more. If you can, ideally, you get down to the 20, 15 and have a 50% chance of a touchdown, 50% or, you know, Forty-seven percent chance of a field goal and a three percent chance you miss the field goal. That's ideal, right? Seventy-five yeah, percent. <laughs> and forcing Casey to use their timeouts so that if you do have to give the ball back to them, they don't have timeouts. So yeah. it wasn't just hey, take the tie. It was this is the worst possible time to 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 turn down eight yards or more. And the entire game. They had had success with ground and pound, and they had had no success. Well, not in the second half. Not in the second half, that's true. But they had had no success with any— I don't think they got a 20-yard play the entire game. So why why suddenly are we going to try to get a 20-yard play when it's not optimal to do so? Doesn't this feel analogous to the the poor decision-making thrown into certain coverages? Uh, not going down and trying to like reverse pitch something, and in general, his refusal to be constrained by logic— it seems it hurts Josh Allen at almost every turn. Which is it unfortunate because he played so well the entire yeah, like, game. I mean, he? He, he, oh, I, I yeah. think he played incredibly he besides like those four, two decisions. Well, he had like four yards per pass. He was incredible. How can you be incredible getting four yards per pass? Because he was so good with his legs. He was Okay, so, so he was a good runner but a poor passer. I didn't. He didn't make passes that I thought were bad. I, he, he, made, he took some shots and they were well, they were Fez, incomplete. What, what is the average yards per attempt in the NFL? It's seven and a half. Right? He, had, he had several. But variance, that could, he variance is what, how you judge the game. How can you judge a game other than the variance of that game? I I understand the when I watched until the fourth quarter, I said this guy is playing just out of his mind. Good. Maybe that maybe that tells us that our ability with our eyes to assess these things are flawed. Uh, Gabe Davis was out and Diggs was was injured. He had no receivers and he still and his number but they three, were they were laying almost three points. And his number three, well, they shouldn't have been the number the number three receiver got hurt also during the game in the second half. That hurt their offense also. You know, there was also Shazier. Sean McDermott for whatever reason. Kept taking Dalton Kincaid off the field. Yeah, I know. He and was he the was most productive player. He, like every time he was out there, he was making plays, and then he'd make a great play, and then they'd pull him off the field. And I'm like, why are you doing this? What, what, this guy, like all your receivers are hurt. You've got a tight end who they can't cover. Why do you keep pulling him off the field? I didn't understand it. What were you impressed about with Kansas City? Uh, I, I was, I mean, obviously their ability to to stop the run in the second half uh, because I didn't, I mean, we haven't, Kansas City hasn't really. Uh, stop the run a lot this year, period. And well, a lot of people believe the advanced thinkers think they want you to run, that they're willing. You know, the more that the science of this gets refined, the more that these explosive plays seem to be the driver of all of it. That if you just think of the math, 
if you got if you get to third down, you're you're better off at first and ten than you are at second and one. Like if you look at it statistically, that sounds. Oh, that's cr- not true. No, that is true. Oh, I disagree. Well, I mean, I'm telling you, uh, you got to show me. Yeah, I, I, I got to see it. Is I would have never thought that. I mean, uh, back. Well, let's just say this. Let's not. I, I'll bring the. I mean, this is we're getting towards the season here after yeah. the Super Bowl. We'll have time to talk. No, about I agree. Theory. Third and one, no doubt. Uh, well, I mean, not even close. But yeah. Yeah. The um, because you think about it, you, you you gain nine yards in first down. That's going to be judged as a well, positive play. How can it be judged as a positive play if you're worse off? No, no. That's the thing. If you look, at, I mean, that's well. How's this sound? Mm-hmm. I. I don't. I can defend this position, and then I'm probably going to be backing up to saying, "Well, actually, it's second and two. But all that said, the classic success on first down is five yards. But but here's the thing: it's a success on. The question is: Are you judging again? If you if you start and and let me just frame it, and then we can talk about it in yeah. a couple of weeks. Is are we talking about? Do you have a better than fifty percent chance to make a first down? Or are we talking about that your odds? That you're that you have a better chance than you would on because on first down, the average NFL team I'm going by memory here gets a first down 67 percent of the time. Sounds I think right. that's right. Um, so now the question is, at what point would you be 67 percent from there? And uh, but 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 their point is, if you have to go to third, let's forget the exact numbers for a second because they could be slightly off. But if you talk about the idea of, oh, they're great on third downs, the good offenses don't get to third down very often. Yeah, and to make your point, I, and I agree with your, your your directional point, so first down, you gain five yards. That's a success. Second down, you gain, you gain four yards on second and five. That's a success. No, but but well, now it's third and one, and now you have failure because your chance of getting that first down is only 60%, and it was 67% on first down. Yeah, that that kind of general concept. Now, what's interesting, too, that the math isn't perfect, is now that people go for it more on fourth, how does that change? Is third and one more acceptable? And you did pick up nine yards. Yeah. So yeah. so, so you, you pick up field position even if you have to punt. Yeah, yeah. And, and possession's worth, I think, about 40 yards with EPA. So, I mean, there's all kind of factors. Yeah. Let's just say the thinking... Is moved so drastically with the the too high safety stuff is still hasn't been beat. I mean, like what I'm saying is it started now two seasons ago, and the thought was, oh, they'll figure this. Mahomes, they haven't figured out how to. And scoring, I'm not talking about Mahomes. I'm talking about the league and scoring way down for this season. And and you know what? Passing bold, yardage way down. Bold prediction: the NFL is going to have to do something about this. They're going to change the rules They're, because they can't have the fantasy football leagues so and the scoring so depressed. And they've done this before. They will. Um, there'll be points of emphasis that like you won't even. Well, but is this? You don't think it'll be for this weekend, do you? No. Okay. No, no. I'm just trying to get it. Yeah. Get, get it straight. But I do think that we're going to see almost no offensive holding penalties. It's going to have to be blatant for them to call offensive holding this this week. All right, well, listen, this is a good time to get to my conspiracy theory, but go ahead. Just to sum it up, first and 10 is equal to second and two. Okay, so wh- where did you get that from? Neflo. Okay. Meaning that, the team needs to gain eight yards per play in order to maintain their EPA on that drive. That's what— okay. That's what The whole uh, stay on schedule thing. Yeah, and, and I just read—but I haven't done the math. To, I mean, the Neflo guy, Greer, is, is one of the best math guys out there, in my opinion, so I love his stuff. Um, that said, I haven't done the math, but that's what I was reading about. I didn't remember exactly. So it's his article on EPA itself? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, that's as, exactly. Right. First and ten is worth about the same as second and two, just about every position on the field. All right, I'm going to go. I'll read. The, I'll read the article. I'll get back to you. Yeah, in a couple yeah, of yeah. It says, yes. for, Further, there is no point on the field where a third down is worth as much as a first and ten, meaning the notion of third and manageable is a myth. Okay, so that's like because, okay, yeah. So, so he's saying seven yards. You've actually now decreed on first down. You've you, you you're slightly worse off based on his math. And again, he's very good, but that isn't typical EPA math. EPA is saying, and DVOA specifically is five yards on first down is a success. Half the distance that you have left is a success on third down. And so if it's, you know, and then um, on third down, it's get a first down. And you did mention a key change in the NFL that well, do I get to count? Do I get to go for it on fourth down? Am I pass midfield? Because that kind of changes a lot of this. Yes. Yeah. So in general, though, explosive plays is what matters, and the Kansas City Chiefs are willing to say, "Oh, you think you're getting five yards a clip? You think that means you're going to do better?" No, because all it takes is one holding, one botch snap, and now, and how many first downs you have to get in a row before you score a touchdown? And you can fumble on a 16-play drive. If you have a three-play drive, probably not going to fumble. So, in general, the defenses are saying, go ahead. We don't think you have the patience. And and Josh Allen doesn't. Usually doesn't. He does not. So, last week, the Chiefs had just five third-down attempts. That's mm-hmm. tied with the 2010 Cardinals for the fewest third-down attempts in a playoff game. And only one third-down conversion. How much would A.J. bet on his Buffalo Bills if he knew Kansas City had only one Third down conversion. Yeah, no, it's a it, 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 the game is evolving and it's fascinating to hear it and think about it. Would you agree this was the Bills' best last chance? Yes. So like they could win it, but the odds are less moving yes. forward. And that's what contract Josh Allen's contract kick it like Josh Allen becoming a next year. I think it's still only like twenty three. And, and there's a they have a ton of free agents. Like it, there's a, a massive list of guys who are up for free agency for the Bills, and they're not the they're not the Von Millers or the Stephon Diggs. Oh, Von Miller's going to be there. Yeah, for, for, <laughs> the, I think two more years. The problem is it, it's such a massive amount of guys that you know some of them are gone, and it's hard to replace guys that fit your system. You're basically having to reset your roster, and, and which is now, an ideal. And now they somewhat have the rightly or wrongly, the label is a, a loser, oh, a choker. I mean, they're certainly a choker at the highest level. So because of that, if I'm a free agent, and, I've, and we've spoken about this before, that it's extremely difficult for Detroit or Buffalo or Cleveland to ever win the Super Bowl because how much would you have to pay me to live in any of those cities a lot more than I'm making in Las Vegas? Yeah. No, I, I think there's obviously different – I mean, state taxes matter, yes. et cetera. <sighs> I don't understand how the Von Miller deal made any sense to, at the time. Like, these are supposed to be professionals, right? They've actually put together a good roster. I mean, a lot of people would make the case in the last three years on a roster basis, Sam Fran and Buffalo, probably the two best rosters. It's just they Josh Allen hasn't played at that highest level. He has in certain games against the Patriots in the playoffs. He had seven straight touchdown drives or whatever. But Von Miller got traded from Denver not that expensive to the Rams. Came in, played like a third of a half a season or whatever, did well in the playoffs, and then they say, you know what sounds good? A four-year deal. That's what they signed him. I mean, at the time I was like, that's ludicrous. But I'm thinking they know more than me. Maybe they don't. 
What do you think? I, I think I mean I, I agreed with you at the time that it was uh, they were overpaying for him, but I felt like they were kind of going the Rams route and saying we're all in. Except if you have a young great quarterback, every year should be. I mean that's what Kansas City proved last year. That was supposed to be their down year, and they won one because <laughs> they just stayed the course. And this might be another one. And Von Miller a year ago, I was like maybe it's not that bad. Played great this year. I mean when he was playing, he was he was okay at best. No, I mean, again, maybe it's a two-year injury, but at his age, that's tough. It's probably, yeah, he's probably not getting better every year now. Mm. You know, we're throwing we're throwing Josh Allen under the bus for bad decision making at the end, but um, that that Bills defense was injured, and Kansas City absolutely shredded them. This was a, this was a false final. I mean, Kansas City won this game by fourteen points. I mean, they dominated the stats. So you're saying, yeah, and so if we look at. Um, I'm going to uh, pull up the uh, stats on this game because they're fascinating. Yards per play, one of your favorites, Fez. It's split up here, pass and rush. Passing, um, let me see. Let's get this straight here. Oh, here we go. Perfect. Okay. On offense in general, Kansas City, eight and a half yards per play. (laughs) (laughs) Buffalo, 4.7 yards per play. Now, Buffalo running the ball, 4.7 yards per play. That means passing Mm 4.8. 4.8. The average in the NFL is like 7.3. I mean, it used to be 7.5. You know, it's like a little lower now, I think. But it's like he, they're about, what, 60% per throw of a typical throw. How, I mean, I'm all joking aside, how can that be extraordinary? Well, you can argue the three, the three deepest shots he took down the field were all clear drops by his wide receivers. Like the one to Diggs, he threw like 60 yards on a line, hit Stefan Diggs in the hands, and he dropped it. Yeah, it's like, one of those freeze it when it's like coming down and you're mm-hmm. like 60%. That fifty to sixty percent, he catches it. It's like it's a coin flip, mm-hmm. and he and he, he flipped three tails on those plays. Okay, and if you look at Kansas City, nine point three yards per pass, seven point eight yards per rush. They only does that include his kneel down? So did, did we take out the because no. they, kneeled, they kneeled down four times this game? Uh, that's amazing. And if you look at it, um, the passing, or I'm sorry, check that the play count. Buffalo seventy eight plays on offense. Kansas City, 43. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and had you told me Buffalo is going to hold the, the ball for 37 minutes of the game and the yardage is going to be about even, I would have felt great about it. Like, it's just a one of those games. So, Faz, this is a good example of your instincts being right. If you look at the EPA on late down, um, Buffalo picked up about nine points where they were they did better on late downs in a way outside of what would be expected. Mm-hmm. Red zone EPA, they pick up about six and a half points. And turnover EPA, they pick up uh, about a touchdown. So like three different things that add up to about a touchdown each mm-hmm. that all went against Kansas City. They still win the game. That kind of speaks to the idea that maybe they should have won by 14. Yes. <sighs> Do you feel like there's something about you that causes this? No. <laughs> no? No. See, I actually think that there is. Maybe. I think you're drawn to talent, and you somehow mistake um, thoughtlessness for rebellion. Like, you like that Josh Allen doesn't, like, he doesn't let the rules dictate to him. You love that, don't you? No, here's what I love. You hate Belichick. You he love... gunslingers. I love... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not even that. Like... Do you know how many good quarterbacks the Bills have had in my whole life? 
Tyrod Taylor, one. Zero. Jake uh, Losman. Yeah, zero. They had, when I was a kid, they had Jim bad. Kelly. Uh-huh. The best quarterback they had between Jim Kelly. Frank Reich. Fitzpatrick. Be- between Jim Kelly and Josh Allen. Was Fitzpatrick, probably. Was Drew Bledsoe. They had uh, him for two yeah. years. Late late well, career Belichick. Drew Bledsoe. It wasn't late. It was Belichick traded him right after Brady. Yeah, he traded him right after. That's awesome that he traded The him. rose was off the bloom. I don't know. Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie wasn't good. He, Otherwise, he Doug wasn't, Flutie... He wasn't Canada. Yeah. <laughs> he, the funny thing is, Belichick trades his... You know, at the time, starting that season, Drew Bledsoe was the highest paid player in football, right? So he starts the season, gets hurt. This is like Mahomes getting hurt in a way. Well, I guess not, because he wasn't that good. But then, literally, Belichick says, we're sticking with the six-round guy. By the way, I'll trade him to my our, our, our in-division rival. <laughs> I mean, who would do that? A genius. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, so the numbers short, short point your way. Fez, what do we think about the idea of that 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 reverse or end around or the guy that fumbled already, Hardman or whatever? Is that his name? Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, is Andy Reid a little like AJ where he doesn't want the rules to apply? Hey, we can do flea flickers on the goal line. We can do the Philly special. You, does that concern you? A little bit. Um, but I think the big picture is that Andy Reid is a player's coach. Mm-hmm. So when they have all the players like go in a little cyclone formation and the like, the players like that. He throws the ball to linemen. The players like that. And so I think the, At lock- the goal line with the game on the line? All the time. He's the, he's the king of the shovel pass forward to guys I've never heard of before. Blake Bell comes in out of nowhere. He puts Mahomes out. You know, I mean, just just crazy stuff. But I think that, I think it empowers the players that they really like it. So I think it, the player, during the course of the season, I think it's good. It worries me in the playoffs. Yes. Andy Reid's title count is certainly less than he should have expectation-wise. Ooh, I'm going to disagree. I think you're forgetting that for Philadelphia, they like hosted the conference four championship straight. like four straight, and it was like, what, six out of eight or some crazy? I mean— Yeah, you could, you, you could be right. So I'm, I guess I'm just going back to—so if he makes if he makes eight— um, Final fours. Yeah, he should win. He should two. win. He should win two, and, and he's, he's won two. And he's won more than he's he's been like an eleven or twelve conference final. Well, this is the six. This is the six straight, right? With Mahomes. Yeah, that's yep. good. And Mahomes what, was has, it four with Philly? No, Mahomes has never since he became a starter. He's gone to the AFC Championship every year. He's never not had a. Gone to the AFC. All right, I can accept. I can accept. He should have had two or three, <laughs> and he's got two. So well, he's, yeah. he's a little under. Yeah. Okay. And, and and then, but you should have made more Super Bowls too. I mean, it's like because they Philly lost one, and and then he lost one other it's, one. It's eleven. So it's eleven times they made the conference final. Yeah. All right. So he should have three. Yeah. So I mean, right. I, I guess all I'm saying is is I, and let's be candid. There's none that I can think of that they could have won, that they didn't. Like, they could they could have zero. Yeah, the, the Super. I mean, really, Jimmy G one pass away. The Philly, you know, again they get credit for those, but man, it's not like the other one was a close one. They got beat by Tampa, you know, by yeah, thirty. They, they, probably. The, what do you think? The closest was when they lost to New England in the AFC title game. They could have won that game, and then they probably get the Super Bowl. Maybe. Well, yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Though, yeah. Right. But but all I'm saying is, it does feel like he's got longevity. Yeah. And, and and that's awesome, and maybe the players' coach part is that. But he did get run out of Philly when after he made what was it? You said five conference finals. Five conference finals. Yeah. So so I think it's straight. fair to say he's just slightly below expectation, which is pretty terrible considering those two recent Super Bowls. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a good point. All right. So 
let's move to the game itself. So, Fez, give us your assessment of what the current market is in this game. Kansas City, Baltimore, fascinating. 3.75. A few more books are three and a half than four. But here's the thing. The books that are at four, I would quantify as being the sharper books, including Circa, with the bigger limits. All right. You're surprised by this. Shocked. Yeah. So to the point of I'm, I'm checking injury reports and I'm like, ooh, maybe there's maybe there's more to the Pacheco injury, to the gay injury, to mm-hmm. the lineman well, injury. the gay injury, maybe. But yeah. yeah, I was convinced that like there was value on Baltimore at open when there was threes and – Fez- whoa, whoa, whoa. Three's what? It my, wasn't my three flat. Oh, it was. It was three it flats, was. yeah. yeah. Bet online opened that? two and a half. for. I mean, but bet online was like five minutes. But threes were there for probably 45 minutes, an hour. I would, I would At say the long- very front of it. I would okay. say longer than that. The South Point was bopping between three and a half and three for a while. And then okay. and then, then, it was a, then it was a one-way train up to three and a half. So I did some work on what are the factors in the regular season correlated to playoff success? Not any individual game, but what I did was I gave one point for a team to make the playoffs, one point for each round they advanced, Hmm. all right? And then a double point if you win the Super Bowl. So six if you win the Super Bowl, four if you make it. And if you get a bye, you assume you won that first game. So right off the go, you got two because you got a bye. Okay. And then I did, all right, I did regression analysis on a bunch of stats to see what would be correlated to it. From the regular season, season stats, right? So I won't get into all of it, but what I'll say is I came up with an algorithm um, or, you know, a simple one that generated a playoff index number. Like this is their playoff. So this is the range of the numbers between uh, all the teams that made the playoffs, right? And um, the number one team was the Ravens, and their number was 1.9. So think about that number, 1.9. San Francisco was 1.5. And the next best team, the next best team was the Cowboys. This is before the playoffs started, 0.4. Wow. All right, and these are actually Z value. These are uh, Z values. So over one means one standard deviation. Over two means two. And standard. this is very consistent with Aaron Schatz. I think he ranked Baltimore the fifth best team of all time, and the Niners the ninth best team. So think about that. In a typical year, I think it goes back to 1990. The the fifteenth best team on average would be the best team in the league. And now we got two teams in the top ten. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't agree with the exact numbers. I. I actually question San Francisco when, when we get to that. Well, they're game, not as good now as they were over the course of the season. Except they lost three games in a row. So there's something about this. I think somewhere that McCaffrey and all the Shanahan talk has got things skewed. I think I really do. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll we'll get to that game. Um, but if you actually look, so I got it color coded here. The only red. So red's bad, right? And I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about fourteen stats on the season. And the Ravens have a red on run defense. And I'm using simple yards per carry on this one, uh, which is better ways, obviously. Um, they are in red, four and a half yards a carry. You know who else is in red? The Chiefs and the Bills and the Ravens. Maybe they're smart. And There's something to let this. people run. Yeah, okay. Now, otherwise, the Ravens have the, the biggest margin at halftime. 
a place that they're actually not at the very top is their average line on the year. So this season, here's the average line. The Cowboys or the 49ers were favored by 8.3 points. That's number one. Not even close. Next up, Dallas, 5.9. Bill is 5.8. So an average favorite of 5.8 points. And then um, Chiefs are 4.9. Dolphins are 4.3. Eagles were 4.4. All the way down here, the Ravens, 3.9. So the Ravens, the market didn't catch up. I mean, they were getting six in San Fran or five and a half, right? Baltimore was minus three and a half at home against Detroit. Like I think just, I played cr- Detroit in that game. It seems crazy in hindsight that that would be a real number. Well, but what was the, uh, the Super Bowl futures? Faz, I, I sent you that thing um, I put together. I'm gonna, I haven't tweeted it yet. Uh, the look ahead was three and a half if Baltimore play. And it's four and a half if Baltimore plays Detroit now. Okay, and but but obviously that's a neutral, so yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but not as much adjustment as you might think, right? And right. It, but like in hindsight, what you said, the market hadn't didn't. It took them a long time to catch up. The idea that at home Baltimore was three and a half to Detroit is crazy. I'm not sure they're caught up. Is well, it's because Baltimore started the season with a season win number of like nine point three, and all these other teams started with eleven. So it takes a lot of. You, you never want to adjust your power rating on team too much. And so Baltimore, the market was slow to figure out how, how strong they were. Yeah, but it was wrong. When they were six in San Fran, that was playing. I mean, in hindsight, it was wrong because of the game. But looking at it, I there's something about San Fran. I, it seems like whatever team is the considered the best team, inevitably becomes overrated I in agree. this media environment. I agree with that. And I think, you know, even this is not just true. This isn't just NFL. I think that this happens... Um, correct me if I'm wrong, AJ, like even in college basketball, when the narrative comes out, Gonzaga's the best team now, and all of a sudden Gonzaga's laying four to the second best team, right? But wasn't yep. that the title game, like odds? Yeah. And and they just get run out, yep. right? I mean, Was that against what, Baylor? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I think Dave ago. Esler had, if I remember right, was taunting you on that one, wasn't he? Probably. Because you had Gonzaga. Yeah, you I like Gonzaga. Oh, man, with yeah. Gonzaga. But yeah. as, soon, as soon as you hear that, like a college basketball team is like, like, oh, they're historically good. Yeah, they're usually not. Yeah. Here's what I'm confused about: Clemson, when they won a couple of national titles in, in football, they had an average recruiting number of about 15th in the country at the mm-hmm. time. If you blended like how old the, the seniors and the juniors and you know sophomore freshmen, they recruited like top five for two or three years after that, and they've been not near as good. Didn't you you make the case here that the if you go to Alabama you become a five star and so they, Clemson it kind of like became didn't they maybe upgrade them? There's an easy explanation for it. Jimbo Fisher's a dinosaur, or not Jimbo Fisher, Dabo Swinney's. Well, a dinosaur. I understand the whole idea of the transfer portal, but that they were dropping off before that. No, I mean like from an uh, like an offensive standpoint, like he doesn't his offense is stuck in 10 years ago offenses and hmm. like they're well, not when did he well that 10 years ago offense won a title not that long ago right yeah well i don't know what happened to watson but he sure was good when he yeah, played for clemson good yeah. all right so um if we continue down the list scoring margin number one in the league but uh the ravens 12 they they outscored their opponents by 12.6 points a game 49ers are at 11 and and no one else is in double digits and then if you look at ats margin Fez, on a season, 8.7 points. Yeah, but they pulled the football, Lucy and Charlie Brown, on us before where they've had really good, you know, dominant years, and then they go to the playoffs, and they haven't been as good, right? It, 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 well, yeah, you know that, and I, that's what, what I've been preaching. Um, by the way, just to finish these numbers real quick, 
just for Baltimore, really. The offensive delta, which is how many points were expected, how many they scored, they were number one scoring 5.2 more points than expected. And they were number one also in giving up less points on defense. They were minus three and a half. It makes sense. It adds up to eight, right? Eight and a half. But it's like, how can you be number one in both of those? And you even have a throwaway Week 18 game, right, yeah, against which the is Steelers, there, where yeah. they would, they should have won by ten, and they lose, you know, the game outright. Yeah. And then if you, uh, here's the stat, and this is a good one for this game, and we can jump off from here. Here's the stat that makes me think, as much as I'm saying this, I probably lean towards KC, or I like KC here, and here's why. If you look at the net turnovers of the playoff teams, okay, there's only one, two, three, four that are negative. So we have four, what, 14 playoff teams, seven and seven, right? So 14 playoff teams, 10 with a positive turnover differential, four with a negative. So the negative was the Rams minus three, right? Eagles minus 10, Browns minus 11. And Kansas City minus 12. Unlucky. Unlucky, big time. Each turnover is worth about four and a half points mm. on average. So you're looking at 48 points if you just, ver- but with Mahomes, you're supposed to be better than, if you have the best quarterback, you're supposed to be plus in turnovers regardless, right? Because yes. you're, so let's assume they should be plus five or so. Like the Bills were plus five, the Bucks were plus six, Cowboys plus eight, 49ers plus 12. Ravens plus 12, Texans plus 12. You put Kansas City at plus five, now you got 17 times five points. You're looking at like two more wins. Yeah, and and I think people are judging Kansas City based upon their win-loss record. And, I mean, I know there were too many games. The Tony's lining up offside. And they lose because of that. And they play the Eagles, and it's a Valdez Scanling can't catch the ball yep. on, the, on, on the goal line. So there's another win that, like, okay, you can say, well, they, they don't deserve all these wins, but they deserve 60% of, the, of, of those games, and they got zero, you know? And they are playing a lot better on offense. Yes. Like we talked about it last week that their time to get up to the line, Mahomes being able to make calls uh, at the line. Because he has a little bit more time. And your, your man, Rasheef Rice, they've got a wide receiver. Sure, At least they got hurt, one. But... Yeah. So And Kelsey did seem rejuvenated. Yeah. yeah, that was his best game last week. One turnover nugget uh, for the playoffs this year. No winning team. No winning quarterback has thrown an interception. So every team that has won this year, their quarterbacks have not thrown a Interesting. Pick. That is very interesting. Um so what, Mahomes or Allen didn't have an interception, no. right? Neither of them did. Okay. But but there was one fumble, that Hardman fumble, right? Okay. So statistically, Baltimore looks dominant. The reason I can't play them is I still have questions about Lamar in the playoffs. You said it best. If they were playing Week 15, I could, I'd lean Baltimore. Now, strong lean Kansas City because it's a playoff game. Don't forget. This is remember Lamar against Kansas City was the battle like three or three or four times in which it was like oh they can't Baltimore can't get over the hump remember the regular season mm. so they haven't played now for a while it, they didn't play this year I think it's 20, 2021. 2021 was last yeah year. so um, I actually did some research on how if you meet in the playoffs and you're not in division how do certain coaches do if they've met that year or if they haven't. 
So I'll get to that in a minute. But as I look at the game, and then I'm going to pass it, I think about how do we grade Lamar? Meaning, do we give him a demerit because of the playoff history? And is Kansas City truly better, or has this been an aberrant? If A.J.'s 200 plays is somehow short sample, which is absurd, is how a couple of games could be short sample, though, for Kansas City. But if they're as good as they seem, then it's an easy play. Thoughts? Yeah, I, and I agree. I, I I look towards Kansas City. Why is it not an official play? Just because the sharpest books right now are dealing four. And then maybe as simple as, you know what? As soon as the square books go to four and the sharp books come down to three and a half, I'd be like, Kansas City, absolutely, you know, best bet. Um, but until that happens, I'm going to be cautious. I do think that both the quarterbacks um, – if you're going to bet the quarterback rush yards, I think you, you bet both of them over right now. I think that there's going to be cases to be made. Hey, we see this every playoff. A running quarterback runs more in the playoffs. If he does in the regular season, he gets killed. Both This game is so critically important. Both Mahomes and Lamar, I think, are going to be running way more than they would during the regular season. But that would make you think that Baltimore was an extra good playoff team with Lamar. Because he's the best runner in the hist- maybe the history of the quarterback position. But they've been... He's you know horrendous in the playoffs. I'm just saying usage, not necessarily success. I'm just saying. But he's you th- run a you're lot. saying Lamar's going to run a lot and it be ineffective. Mm, I think he'll not. I I don't think it will change the offensive success very much. I mean, Josh Allen went over his rushing prop by halftime last week. Mm-hmm. Lamar it, got 100 yards last week. Yeah. Okay. So what's the current prop? 64 and a half. And I think Mahomes is 25 and a half. So let's stick with the. I mean, like these are the two big. You know, these are two of the three biggest games of the year. So it's not so much like the little side things of oh maybe he runs more. We'll get to. But like, mm. what do you I, see as the core? Like, what do you? I ha- trust Mahomes. I don't trust Lamar Jackson. That's my entire handicap. I looked at the Chiefs. So I mean, just the, the stats just back Mahomes. I mean, the history. I would say back Mahomes. Um, he's eight and three straight up in his career as an underdog. This is just the sixth time in his career. That's eight and three straight up. Yes, because he's better straight than up. the spread. Right? Straight up. Yeah, it, it's just the sixth time in his career he's going to be north of a field goal as an underdog. He's five and zero ATS in those games. Uh, over the last twenty years, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks when they are an underdog in the playoffs, seventy one percent ATS, fifty nine twenty four and two ATS. And Lamar Jackson over the last three so years. So Nick Foles falls into that Super Bowl winning court. Well. If he was in the playoffs after he won the Super Bowl. Oh, only in the playoffs. Okay. Playoffs, okay, yeah. okay. And then so, Lamar so course, over the Scott, last I'm, three I'm, years, north of a field goal I'm, favorite, seven and six. I'm sorry. ATS. I'm sorry. Repeat that one more time. Super Bowl winning? Super Bowl winning quarterbacks in the playoffs. As an underdog. As an underdog over over the last 20 years are covering 71%. But you're not counting their wins in their Super Bowl. No, 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 no. After. after. If you won a Super Bowl, good. you okay, have yeah. a Super Bowl underneath your belt. Until okay. you win it, you can't Obviously, be in that game. Obviously, you're going to be 3-0. and you can't, you can't be a Super Bowl winning quarterback if you okay, haven't won yes. it yet. Now, <laughs> the, um, very true, very yeah. true. Um, I got some numbers here about Lamar, just how bad they've been in the playoffs. And this counts last week. Two and four straight up. And you might think, okay, well, blah, blah, blah. Before Lamar, Harbaugh with the Ravens, the only place he's coached as a head coach, 10 and 5 straight up, 11 and 4 against the spread. So think about that. And they won the spread in those 15 games, eight points a game. Doesn't look like he's the problem. 
So if you have 15, remember Joe Flacco mm-hmm. was there for a lot of that. When you're 11 and four against the spread and covering by eight points a game, and then you become two and four. It feels like it's, by definition, small sample. But you know what? Anything in the NFL playoffs pretty much will be. Now, this is something to look at clean because I hear some sharp people like the over. And I kind of do, too. I told, Like I said in the um, – now, again, last week was different with the second half. Kansas City again. Right? Under again. I mean – That was a miracle. <laughs> it ain't broke. Don't fix it, boys. It like, like Bass, even, even with no scoring the final 15 minutes, Bass is lining up and he makes that kick 75% of the time. Yeah. You know? and, and that does what? Explain what that would do? The, the, the second half total was 23 and a half, and they'd scored 21 points. So it would have pushed the second half over if Bass makes the But game. the game total went over, right? Yes. Yeah, so when, when you got quarterbacks that good, and if you put I don't think you can look to play under, but this is what's interesting. In those six Lamar playoff games, the Ravens have gone under in the game total by 10 points a game. By their team total? No. Or the, 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 the game total? total okay. Everything. Yeah, 10 points a game. Wow. So think about that a second. That means Harbaugh saying we're going to ground and pound. We're going to you know. conservative. And I mean, they certainly went. Uh, Houston game went under. So I mean, there's another land on the number, forty-four. Late field goal in the final seconds pushed the number, painted forty-four. Who kicked the field goal? Baltimore up 21, 20, 20, uh, 30, Okay, I 10. saw that. It was yeah. like three and a half minutes left or something? It's more like a no. They there's three and a half minutes left. They went for it, and then they got the ball back, and with like. A minute left. They kicked a field goal. If you would have, you could have shot for an under. I'm sure, right? You could have, you could have won over. You could have won under. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was was painted 44. Um, But when you're at 10 points a game under, even counting that game, there's something strategically that feels connected to it. I like the under in this game. So I know you said a lot of sharps like the over. I, I, here I am, the square. Uh, I. I think that the there's an overreaction to what happened last last week or what's happened in the playoffs so far with both these teams. I don't think Kansas City's offense is fixed. I think they played a Bills team that had four missing starters on defense and they played a Dolphins team that had three missing starters so on defense. So if you play two playoff teams and you can't get some credit, I mean, I know you adjust for those players, but how much were they worth? Because I mean, did you if I recall, you didn't have a pick on on Buffalo Kansas City. I did not. So if you thought that they were so depleted that they were like be, being beat again, then being having seven and a half yards gained per play or, is irrelevant because they're so beat up. Why wouldn't you be massively on Mahomes as a dog? Because I thought the Bills would have more su- offensive success than they did. Okay, but since they, but you're saying it went over the total, right? It did go over the total. So if it goes over the total, Kansas, that means the Bills certainly didn't have like bad offensive success, right? I mean, what do you mean? I mean, you talked about four point four yards per play. It's yeah, not but, off, but that's not offensive enough, success. But it is if you're getting first. Listen, in the end, it's points, right? So it strikes me that if you look at Buffalo and saying, "Oh, they fell way short on offense," I mean, you've talked about like when we talked about the Bills as a Super Bowl team, you're like they're decimated on defense. I agree, and, and the Dolphins dis- were decimated think, on. defense. I think it's, it was worth like a point and a half. See, I don't. It can't go to oh, the wind was blowing. This game doesn't matter. To oh, the wind wasn't blowing, so the game matters like blood. It's like it's a hybrid. It's going to be oh, that game's a little less telling because the weather was bad, or because two guys were out. And but you can't dismiss because if I'm not dismissing it, I'm just saying I think it's being there's an overreaction saying well the Chiefs' offense is fixed. I don't believe that's true, and I think the Ravens what they did to the but, Texans. 
I mean, I talked last week about the Texans hadn't they they played one top ten offense. What the they entire do the year. Texans? They, they it was ten ten. I mean, they pushed it out, but I mean, it did feel like that game. There was a inter. And listen, I'm not one. I watched a good bit of that game, and I don't tend to take my viewing too seriously. But boy, it felt like that a couple plays could have been different in that early third quarter, and that could have been. It felt. I don't know. I know Houston had the punt return, but it, I mean, all ten of Houston's points came basically directly from special teams. The Ravens shanked a punt that went like 15 yards, and the Texans got a cheap field goal, and then they had a punt return. That was the entirety of their offense. So like, it was a shanked punt, and where did they get the ball? Like the 35, 40 yard line. They were on Baltimore's fourth, yeah, or 35. Well, that's quite the shank in the uh, in in the NFL. I, so Fez, the, the Fez had a you got the Dallas machine roll up and running. <laughs> I've always went to Dallas. I don't understand. We always joke you go to bathrooms. Oh, so the much. dialysis. I thought you said Dallas. <laughs> I get my hearings obviously compromised. The, also, the question is: All right, Buffalo's defense was hurt. How much do we diminish what Kansas City does did on offense? And my thinking is. If it's not enough, like what was the point value of those injuries? Okay, subtract that one and a half points, or I don't even know how it could be one and a half since they, they were laying three. So they gained eight yards per play. Yeah. So I just assume they only would have gotten seven if a couple of those guys were playing. I, and I they think still it has to by. mean something. You yeah. Know, right. Because there's going to be very rare. I mean, in college football, you should understand this even more. How many games do you really get with people when teams are playing true peers when they're elite teams? Not it's me. Usually like three games a yeah. year that it's even within a touchdown. Yep. So, like, don't you have to extrapolate something from the Bowling Green, a high state game? Right, you can't just say Bowling Green sucked. Don't yeah. the, so even your Buckeyes have had like halves against crappy teams early in the year, and they like and they score like ten points, and it's like you know it happens. I also think something important that, that makes me lean to the under here is so we got one best bet and and then one other thing. So one best bet on the two games, one game, and then you're, we're going to have an opinion on the other game. Is this your best bet? My best bet's uh, Baltimore in the first half of this game, minus two and a half. All right, so let's get let's jump to that, and then you can tie in more of the total. Okay, uh, so I, I think that this the offensive line continuity has probably been the biggest strength for Kansas City's offense this entire year, and now losing Tooney is a, a nightmare for them uh, for a couple reasons. He's the highest graded interior lineman in the league in pass blocking per PFF. So if you say like any guards and centers, he is the best pass blocking interior lineman in the league. That's a nightmare against this Ravens team. The Bills play all almost all zone defense. Patrick Mahomes just chews up zones. It's that's what he's done his whole career. And now you've got these pass rushers for Baltimore, well, and you've got corners well, who can well, play think, man. Let's think about this a second. Is the whole too high has caused Mahomes more problem? I mean. This year, still not. I mean, if you look at one of the stats here, which is um, uh, net, let's say first downs. This is an interesting stat. First down percentage, meaning how often when you snap the ball do you get a first down? So the theory is, if you're having a lot of three third downs, your your percentage, even if you convert every one, it's going to be thirty three percent, right? One out of three would get you first. First down doesn't get you one. Second down doesn't get you one. Third down does. You're one for three. Well, the best team, for example, 49ers are 37%. 37% of their snaps, they get a first down when it's like from the line of scrimmage. Kansas City is at 33. That's below Buffalo. That's below Dallas. That's below Miami. That's below Philadelphia. That's below the Lions. 
that's below the Ravens. So Kansas City, by that account, has the eighth best offense because they weren't using the good, the good plays. But I and and I do think that in general the two highs forced him, especially with the depleted receivers, to dink and dunk more. But 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 by definition, the too high is a zone. Yes, but you have an option when you play that zone. If you you if you play that zone, it means you're not blitzing more than likely, which means you're giving Patrick Mahomes more time. If you can play man, now you can send extra pressure, and that's that's the way to to beat Mahomes. I believe. I, well, this is easily checked, right? Go to PFF and look at Mahomes versus zone versus man. I just think the the premise is wrong. It feels wrong to me. Um, but I want to make sure because either way, I, don't, I keep picking. I get a little like whisk, like there's some kind of whisker on me. <laughs> All right, um, you know how you get like a little something on the side of your mouth. Like I see it. I'm talking. You know, I this see reminds it. me of the Saturday Night Live. You're old enough for the Roseanne, Rosanna, Danny's like, don't you hate it when you got like a little thing in your nose and you look in the mirror and you can't see anything, but it's there. It, you don't know if it's a hair or a booger or something. And that's your Roseanne bar. Rosanna, Rosanna Dana. Oh, okay. Remember her? It sounded like Roseanne. No, I don't. <laughs> it sounded like Roseanne Barr, though, didn't it? A little similar. A little similar. All right. So um, and whenever AJ has that, he'll jump in. Scott, what's your feeling on the game? Uh, I'm, I can't pass up taking Patrick Mahomes oh. as north of a field goal favorite. Uh, north of a field goal underdog. To me, the numbers just add up for the Chiefs and the conspiracy theory about wanting Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. So uh, I think it's all going to be lined up for the Chiefs to win this game. No, I, I, in all kidding aside. Well, no, no. Let's talk about this. Okay. Uh, well, let's say this. I want to talk about the Taylor Swift thing. Mm-hmm. Let, you finish your point, yeah. and then we'll talk about it. Um, I, I think that when you look at what Baltimore uh, has done and what they do great. They're obviously led by Lamar. Andy Reid has seen Lamar now four times, right? He's coached against them four times. Lamar does great when he's when a coach sees him for the first time. Mm-hmm. He's 35 and 6 straight up when facing a team for the first time. When facing a not a team, excuse me, a coach for the first time. When facing a coach for the but second. What, do we have the ATS on that? Uh 22 and 19. All right. So it seems like maybe the ATS has caught up to that in yes. theory, right? When he faces a coach a second time, 26 and 16 straight up, 24, 18 ATS. Um, so they're actually better ATS the second time. Yeah, but, but not so much straight up. So you, there's some underdogs in there. There's some underdog games in there. But he's a favorite now north of three, and I gave you the stats. He's not good as a favorite of more than three. Seven and 16 ATS. Uh, when he's favored by more than three points. Patrick Mahomes, in his games that he's played against the Baltimore Ravens, has thrown for 343 yards, 385 yards, 374 yards, and 377 yards. The Chiefs, with Patrick Mahomes, are three are, are three and one straight up against the Baltimore Ravens, the only loss being the 2021 game where they lost 36-35. Mm-hmm. I think they know how to play against the Ravens. And I think that Steve Spagnolo, with all this experience going against Lamar, is going to be able to come up with something to contain him. So the question I have is, one, Munkin in this offense is so different. Mm-hmm. And number two is, is Lamar different? Meaning if, if, if all the love is right, that he's now a, a, more than a competent passer. Right, because the second MVP puts you in rarefied air. Is the whole premise and on SOV on Fox for years? I was saying if Harbaugh wants to win a Super Bowl with Lamar, he's got to start throwing. And you know what? When you throw the ball a bunch, initially there might be a down season, but you got to fight through that. 
And it feels like somehow they got the right guy in here where they're throwing more effectively. But it wasn't a lost season. If anything, they're amongst the two Super Bowl favorites. I think the old Lamar was susceptible to Kansas City. Is this the old Lamar? That's the question. Yeah, we, we, we don't know. You know, one thing we talked about in the Dream Preview last week is Baltimore being really good in the first half. So my best bet, I like, and four ATS. I like Kansas City, all right? I know Baltimore is dynamite in the first half. I don't trust Baltimore if it's a close game. I absolutely trust God and Kansas City if it's a close game. So I'm taking Kansas City fourth quarter plus a half. That's my best bet. You know, Kansas City whoa, 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 this year. Whoa, whoa. I'm sorry, let's see. Is this exactly related to that? Pretty uh, well, it's correlated to getting points in the, in the fourth quarter. KC in the fourth quarter this year, the under is 18 and one in the fourth quarter. So, okay, so there's been 19 games. Okay, and that goes back to Spag making good, you know, so adjustments at, at halftime. If there's not a lot of points in the fourth quarter, I would certainly like getting points in the and fourth And I think quarter. Baltimore will be conservative, and I think I like the fact Kansas City will have seen their offense for three quarters and some more familiarity with it. All right, it let's think well. about this for a second. So, it could be a tight game. If it's a tight game, okay. If Baltimore's up big, then you love that bet. Love it. Because Mahomes thrown from behind, very effective. And no way Kansas City would ever give up because they've won all these games down double digits. And plus it's a championship game. Okay. Now, if Kansas City's ahead, you might think, oh, that's bad, except Lamar thrown from behind is a lot less scary to me. Exactly. Is the hat based upon the the line in the game? Is that is it priced unneutrally? Is plus a half? You know, price? I got. I'm embarrassed to say I haven't even looked it up yet. But, plus a half. Uh, but I, but it has What's to be the plus a price. Half. Minus one eighteen. Yeah. Um. So normally it'd be like plus a half, lay a dollar ten. So I'm paying like an extra eight cents on that on that book. It hasn't come up in many books yet. But what I'm saying is based upon the line. I, let's say three point seven five should be a half flat half and minus one ten each direction. So why would this be? Why would it be off like that? Because people trust Kansas City more in the fourth quarter, so probably somebody bet it. Also, the line's already. not three and a half. Oh, oh, you you already accounted that the line is more than three and a half. Probably, yeah, probably. Yeah. It opened, it, I'm, I'm guessing it opened plus a half, and I'm guessing one person bet plus a half late ten, and now it's minus a dollar. But game. somehow the the beautiful Green Bay. It, it took us a while to get to this, mm-hmm. but the beautiful Green Bay to score first at plus what one sixty at different spots. Mm, not quite. One, well, I think maybe it, open. Maybe it open. We did a time shift, there. not a time shift, but a time break because we wanted to get the math straight. So, Fez, now that we looked at it, now this isn't taking into account San Fran being better than Green Bay, but we think the um, if you know you're getting the ball, the odds should have been what? Yeah, you should score 62% of the time, so you should be a favorite, a no-vig favorite, about minus 152. And we were getting 140. <laughs> yes. So let's account for San Fran being better. But it, it's not going to be even half of that. No. So it strikes me that that if, if this is an example of people say, oh, there's no sure thing. It's not a sure thing. But, man, that kind of bet where you're um, – it, sh- it should be 120 – let's think about that. It should be minus, let's say, 130 if we count 20 cents or so for the San Fran superiority and we were getting we were getting like 60 60 cents maybe 70 yeah, cents. Yeah. And it just shows how much better these novelty prop bets can be than you're never going to get an edge like that playing aside. Unfortunately, the third quarter didn't go the way we yeah, wanted. Yeah, yeah. So San Fran minus two and a half was by the same aspect outstanding and San Fran just sucked in the third quarter. Now, um 
we got to put in our pocket now that it's two games now with rain and Brock Purdy. We can't ignore that. We cannot, although we're not going to get another kick at the can because it's going to be beautiful. No, I, I, yeah, but that's to me remembering these things. Um, Our same game parlay, it felt like other than it felt like we were really like of all the combinations. Was there anything that came in? Because we were because we didn't have third quarter in all those. No, we didn't have. We had first quarter over also. You weren't even here. (laughs) You had to have. You were talking about it and made sense. Right? It's like first quarter over was part of it, but we also had. Oh, uh, did AJ? You had team total over for Green Bay nine and a half first, which made so much sense. And Green Bay didn't get to to ten points. Well, we didn't. He might have had. Isn't that? Isn't that amazing? They should have. The first three drives of the game were were pitiful. March right down the field, uh, settle for a field goal. They march right down the field, have a fourth and one tush push that gets a terrible spot. You that, march down the, the field, turnover and you on score in your first possession, and, and then march down the, the field again, and then get another field goal. Ridiculous. Three trips inside the red zone, six points. Never Swung again. the game effectively yeah, and yeah. killed my over. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll go over what we had in the same game parlay pod. So let's kind of go uh, open choice here. We're saying Lamar. So no one seems to have an opinion on Lamar, or, or the people think there's still cause. You still think there's cause I'm, of concern. I'm negative. Yeah. And is anyone thinking no? All questions have been answered. Like AJ, you say that sometimes. I don't think all questions have been answered, but I've, I'm I'm confident that Lamar plays a good game here. All right. So what are you? So you like the first half? Yeah. Make that case. I, Baltimore. I mean a lot. And I mean you had Baltimore first half last week too. Should have won. But, um, but let's remember that's why these slivers of time over sixty minutes, Baltimore exerted their superiority. This is a great point because if you just have a handicap where you're like Team A is is the much better bet against Team B, ideally you'd want to bet them. Like in a baseball season, you like you like to bet Toronto to beat the Yankees eighteen a 10 times. Game series, yeah. yes. So the 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 more not a quarter. You, the more you target because you think there's an edge, which oftentimes it's just short sample. Mm-hmm. The less chance, if you have a good handicap, or the better chance you're going to lose it because it felt like for the game, Baltimore, it was almost it felt impossible they wouldn't cover that spread. Like when they had a sixty minute, yep. but it was possible in thirty. So it's always a balancing act, but I think the numbers here speak that it's probably smart to narrow it again. But yeah, Harbaugh, the the best coach in the NFL, ATS in the first half since he's been in the league. So to to me, and we'll get into this in the same game parlay pod too. But Fez, I'm a little worried when I hear oh uh, over because they run more. It feels like the market's catching up to that. Which of the two do you like best? Like if you had to pick one, Lamar over. Okay, because if you look at his his numbers on the year, he it looks like what he's gone over three times this number. Yeah, he's only averaged like fifty yards per game, and this number sixty five. So it looks like wow, they've they've really juiced this to the moon. But I still think the narrative is that everyone's going to bet him over. He, he rushed for hundred yards, and that. So, but why would we bet over if everyone else is betting over? Because we're going to bet before them. Because the public hasn't bet the game yet. But so doesn't we're it beat show, them to the punch? And and so we think it's a good bet because dummies are the following narratives are batting and moving the line. Doesn't that just go against the whole closing line value concept? No, because the dummies will move the closing line value to the point that we'll get closing CLV and then we'll we'll have that over 64 and a half. And when it closes 69, we can play all the under we want back and have a huge yummy middle. You think so? What do you think this closes at? 68 and a half. Oh. Wow. Dinner bet says 68 and a half. I tell you this, 
goddamn Green Bay would have won. We, I would have been looking sweet on that one. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> the uh, All right, so, AJ, you got your stuff on the first half? I do, yeah. So, yeah, Harbaugh, 160, 110, and 9 in the first half, 59%. With Lamar, 51, 28, and 2, that's 65%. Okay. And this season has been good with that too, right? Yeah, uh, 11 and 6 in the first half. Well, 11 or 11 and 7 now. <laughs> okay. So, you're saying with Lamar in the first half, they're 65%. Harbaugh and Lamar 65%. What must they be in the second half cuz they're not near 65% against the spread? Yeah. Well, I think you you pulled on the Dream Pod last week. You pulled up the numbers where like the entire disparity of of Baltimore scoring. I think this was just for the year was all first half based. So yeah, this is certainly just for the year. But those numbers right now, uh, the margin for the game for them, the straight up margin is twelve point six. For the first half, it's eight. So in this case, it's now, you know, again, the most recent game affected it. But So Baltimore's outscored their opponents by 12.8 per game? 12.6, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and uh, that's number one in the league. And number two is the 49ers at 10.9. So Mahomes in his career in the playoffs is 11-4-1 ATS in the second half. Mahomes... In the playoffs. 11-4-1 ATS in the second half. He's I mean, this sounds like a first-half first Baltimore, second-half KC bet. Yes. Mm-hmm. That would be... That's interesting. Can, um, yeah, can, we play, can we play Baltimore first half and KC fourth quarter or second half? Yeah. And you can narrow it down for... Like Bal- Baltimore... Uh, the, the, you can do anything, Faz. <laughs> this season in the first quarter, 11-5-2, and two, 69%. And if you go back to last year, the last two seasons, they're 20-11-5, 65% in the first quarter. By the way, if you missed it... They, they start fast. Baltimore did not cover the first quarter because they shanked a punt, and then Houston went three and out, and they kicked like a 50-yarder fair bear like with 40 seconds left to end the quarter. But they would it was tie, it would have been tied otherwise. It was three nothing. Baltimore. Oh, okay, ahead. okay. So, to me, I think we got bit going short last you know a half instead of the game. I think I don't want to go a quarter instead of. I mean, to me, the numbers are just as strong in the the whole first half. I like the half more. And yeah. they would have covered the half if not for a punt return touchdown. So, so, w- so what do we got if we go first half Baltimore's and then second half Chiefs or we, fourth quarter? Are we laying Chiefs? three Baltimore? Two and a half. Two and a half. half. Oh, two and a half minus. Mm-hmm. There's some vague, right? Uh, minus one twenty. Yeah, okay. and then Chiefs. You want to do second half, or I'd rather go fourth quarter. So fourth quarter, okay. Uh, plus so the plus half, half minus the eighteen. Quarter minus eighteen. Two leg parlay is plus two hundred two. Okay, so they're assuming there's some correlation yeah. there. Yeah, which there in theory there is because if Baltimore wins the first half, then Casey by definition is behind. Yeah, right. So do the same thing, just the whole second half instead yeah, of the I fourth agree. quarter, just to see what they do with it. Okay, uh, it's it's close. It's like plus two. Plus two oh six. All right, so it's a little more correlated, yeah. they think. Okay, that's, that's interesting. If Casey's getting like plus, plus one, one and a half. half. Yeah. It's minus one twelve. Mm-hmm. So the question certainly how I expect the game to turn out, right? Mm-hmm. The question is when would we parlay it? When would we have two side bats because we think both are good? I think the question is how much do you think Baltimore is going to be leading by? If you think they're leading by a lot, then you probably want to parlay it. Right, I agree with that. Right, because yes, the only correlation only th- is someone being up. And uh, if, Bal- if Baltimore's up three, then boy, you know now now Kansas City's got to win the game. Because- yeah, the more the more the more that Baltimore's up in the first half, the 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 difference the line's going to be for the Chiefs in the second half. Yes. You're not going to get that plus one and a half if the Chiefs are down 
10. If you were the betting, are going to be favored in this. If you were betting a half timeline. Yes. So let's do this. Let's look at first. And this will be like, this is what we, if you like this kind of thing, the other pod mm-hmm. that were 118,000 supposedly was one. Yeah. Um, uh, go like alternative line, like Baltimore six and a half in the, whatever alternative line there is. And then see if, if they don't correlate anymore. I like that. So we, we tried this last week, but it's it's a margin bet, not an alternate line. So we have options. So Baltimore to win the first half by one to three, four to six, seven to nine, ten to twelve, things like that. So it's plus seven hundred for them to win by one to three, plus seven fifty for them to win by four to six, plus seven hundred for them to win by seven to nine. This is in the first half. Do, do they have anything that's just like more than this? Ten to twelve is plus eight hundred. Oh, Thirteen plus plus four twenty five. Cockroaches. Thirteen plus plus four twenty five. That's a lot. Boy, but what would the line be if Baltimore's up by 14? KC minus three and a half. And right now— I feel right. So if I— I, I, You know halftime's better than me. So Ravens to win the first half by 13-plus, and then Chiefs plus one and a half for the second half is plus 700. All right, so that's interesting. So it it was plus four Plus 425. 425. Mm -hmm. All right, so Fez, what do we do? So you're saying we're putting 525 into play, right? To win seven, how much? Seven fifty. It's plus seven hundred. Seven hundred. So what's what's the bet again? I'm sorry, I didn't write down. It's uh, Baltimore that alternate line to six, win the first half by thirteen half? plus. I'll say thirteen plus. Mm-hmm. And then Chiefs plus one and a half for the second half. And the pay is what? Plus seven hundred. And what is the Baltimore uh, straight up bet pay? Four twenty five. Yeah, that's that's the really juicy in there. Yeah. They listen. They got uh, a lot of this figured out. It's not, but I do think uh, we got some interesting angles to approach here. Mm-hmm. I just found another interesting stat: the the Ravens uh, have gone into the fourth quarter trailing just once this whole season. They are the sixth team since 1990, the wild card era, to to have that 16 and one mark. Now 17 and one. Uh, three of the other five won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I mean, oh, oh, RJ, I heard a stat. The Carolina Panthers did not lead in the fourth quarter the entire yeah. season. They never had the lead against Houston? Only at, only only at, the at the when time game. expired on the, the game-winning game field, game field goal. They yeah. never ran a play from scrimmage with the lead. Okay, that's slightly different. Yes. All right, that's fair enough. That seems to happen a lot. <laughs> that, like, that quirk happens a lot with these extreme teams. It's an interesting nugget about the Ravens. This is their fourth straight home game. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, they haven't played on the road since Christmas in San Francisco. They're the ninth team. That San Francisco game was their last road road game. game? Yeah, Mm -hmm. they're the ninth team to play their fourth consecutive home game in the conference championship in the last twenty years. Those previous teams went five and three ATS, seven and one straight up. That is an advantage, obviously. Yeah, yeah, especially considering Kansas City now played on the road. Last week. Last week, and they were home. Okay, okay. Still, hmm. Boy, it's interesting. It does seem like the public would be jumping on Mahomes, but the line keeps going yeah, up. And, and and it's going up at the sharp books. All right, so a couple last things here. Um, Andy Reid, the first time he plays against someone in a season, if he only plays, and this is in the playoffs only, Andy Reid has 37 playoff games. Wow. <laughs> um Eight and three, but with five and a half points per game. So if it's the first time they played, five and a half points per game. Second time they played, it's even against the spread. So they're 19, 12, and one, but an ATS of even. Mm. 
versus an ATS of five points. So Andy Reid familiarity helps the opponent more than it helps him, it seems. And if you look at Kansas City's net yards per play last week, and you look at Baltimore's net yards per play last week, the difference, so it's going to be your offense minus the other team's offense, which is your defense, and that number compared to the other team's number. Kansas City is plus 2.2 net yards per play over Baltimore just based on last week. It's the first time in 20 years that someone in the conference championship round was uh, had that much of an edge the week before and is an underdog the next week. Mm. So it shows you that when you have a team that dominated like Kansas City, now maybe we're not getting the value or it's not being priced because, because the, scoreboard. the scoreboard was deceiving. But it is interesting. It hasn't happened in 20 years. There's been such a dominating performance in the division round, and then they're underdogs the next mm-hmm. week. That's interesting. Here's one more interesting stat. As you're not going to like this one, actually. Mm-hmm. If a team, this is all playoff games, but not counting the Super Bowl, and that is because the Super Bowl is different conferences, and thus the odds of them playing is not great. The question is, if it's the second meeting in a season— or the first meeting. Doesn't matter if they're in division or not, meaning by definition, if they're in division, it's going to be the third meeting, right? In the playoffs, though, only. Right? If you haven't played the team yet, right? So if uh, if you haven't played each other, it goes under by 1.1 points, right? So if it's the first time meeting, it goes under all these playoff games, 1.1 points. That's all right, yeah. But if they if you have played and thus it's the second matchup beyond, it goes over two point seven points. Interesting. Yeah, because usually you think defense get. It seems like the offenses gain more from familiarity, mm-hmm. which in theory you always think the defense figures out how to stop a team, right? Yes. But I mean, we're talking about since two thousand one. So we got a bunch of play. I mean, we're talking a lot, of, a lot of games that fall into these categories. All right. Uh, so let's make our picks official here. What Scott? We'll start with you. Uh, let's go under second half twenty two and a half. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Second half under seventeen and two this year for the Kansas City Chiefs. If you're more inclined to take a fourth quarter under, which is thirteen and a half, Chiefs fourth quarter unders this year are eighteen and one. The defense picks it up. Second half of games. But that runs against Faz. So if you like KC in the fourth quarter, you mean you think KC's going to score, obviously. No, or because be I'm leading. getting a half. They can, they can bang, yeah, they but, can but, double bang. Your bagel. general premise is that there's a better than 50% chance they're going to be trailing, and that's you want Mahomes in the fourth quarter trailing. Yeah, but I also think Baltimore will be too conservative with Lamar. And I also think if – and I like your analysis. If Kansas City's ahead – I'm I'm cool with that. Baltimore isn't going to throw the ball well. If Kansas City's behind, yes, Kansas City's going to score. And if it's a close game, I trust Mahomes and Kansas City will win. Thus, they'll cover the fourth quarter. But if Kansas City's behind, you certainly don't like under in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's certain. If they're yes, that I agree with that. I would. And if, I just told if, you if, one if, time going into the fourth quarter this year, the Ravens have been trailing. Yeah. So. I mean, just by the fact they're three and a half point or you know three point seven point underdogs means that more times than not, if the lines were generally right, 
All right, so what is your official best bet? So I think we're giving— uh, You think? Uh, What's your official what best bet? What I want to say about time the— to think about it. No, no, 22 and a half at the second half under. All right, all right. But I think there's value on that 22 and a half because the fourth quarter is 13 and a half and the third quarter is eight and a half, which would lead to 22. I'm getting half a point in the second half, so— So, Fez, would that, have a, would that be having a mini grand salami effect that there's more, uh, there's more upside? Yeah, yeah. So what RJ is saying by the mini grand salami is that if the third quarter is eight and the, f- and, and the fourth quarter is 13, then the second half should not be 21. It's got to be a little bit higher than 21. Because you can only go eight points less in the third quarter, but you could score 21 or whatever. Yes. Okay. All right. So I, th- I, I think that the, it's probably aligned. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't change. You like mm-hmm. it because of the handicap. Now, that's interesting. I like that, but I'd be interested if you put this into, let's say, um, you can't say who's going to be winning in the third quarter, after the third quarter, right? I'm thinking, how could you do a two-teamer that that precluded uh, Baltimore being up big, right, and made it a two-teamer? Like, ideally, if you could bet, like, what's the score after the third quarter, you would say, all right, give me under – in the fourth quarter, or and, and um, well, but I guess you're talking the half, the whole half, right? Mm-hmm. Whole All right, half. so we can do that. That's interesting. So in a way, this whole love of Baltimore in the first quarter or the first half, that AJ's best bet is he doesn't want that, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, if if Baltimore's up by seven, Baltimore's up. If Baltimore's up twenty-seven to ten, yeah, it's like oh, Kansas, yeah. yeah, so. That's interesting. See, I think that hurts your bet. In general, if we believe, like, what is our expectation of what the first half score is going to be? What, five? Right? Because we think it's a good bet at uh, two and a half, yeah. right? Right. So what, what's our project? Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good question. So 14-10? Huh? No, I'm going to disagree. If, if, if Balti- given Baltimore covers minus two and a half, what would the over-under be on the spread? I think it's seven and a half. But that's if they cover. What I'm saying yeah, is, but is all that matters if you're uh, doing a parlay. At what price would you think? At what price would you bet Kansas City in the first half? Four. All right. So at four, you'd bet Kansas City in the yep. first half. So you think the line in the first half should be like three, three point seven? Yeah. Okay. Like it should be what the game price is. So what do you think? Three point one. All right. So now the question is: Okay, we now believe it's going to be three point one. How much does that deter you from playing the under in the second half because Kansas City's behind? Chiefs were down four at the half last week. Oh, I'm not saying it's second not possible. I'm not saying it's not yeah. possible. I'm just, I'm just thinking of yeah. the same game parlay element. Yeah, yeah, and we we are flipping the script a little bit because the Kansas City's been ahead more often than not. Now they're projected to be behind, so that's that's a little bit of a concern. But then again, it is eighteen and one. Yeah, but it, it, but the question is, why not take a third of the bet? And look at it on a two-teamer with Kansas. But but again, it's since it's so running against AJ's pick, I'm not looking to do that. But anyway, make your pick official. Yeah, Baltimore in the first half, minus two and a half. All right, so Fez, what do you got as your best bet here? Kansas City, fourth quarter, plus a half, lay 18. All right. I'm going to think before I decide. I'm, I'm going to take the, uh, the owner's prerogative, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to like listen to the argument. I mean, right now— I think I like it's so funny. The more complex this stuff gets, the more I, I, I intrigues me. I really like the idea of thinking we like certain game states. It, we like certain bets better. So let, let's just think about the fourth quarter for a second. So really, that once again, we actually want Baltimore 
to kick ass, to kick butt. Yeah. And but we looked at that, and if we go Baltimore first and Kansas City fourth, they juice us pretty bad. Yes, because they're well aware of the big correlation. Is there another way to get at that? Uh, first half margin, third quarter. Yeah. I don't know. There's probably not, right? Or I can't think of any right away. All right. I'm going to think on it. Let's go to the next game. Before we do, Hitman and Essler both have a play on this game. This game? Both this of game. them? This game. Damn. Well, I, I, you know, I hope that Hitman's not talking about sample size of any of his streaks. <laughs> let's start there. The Hitman. I'm pretty, <laughs> let's listen in. Best bet. Kansas City Chiefs plus the four. Whether you like KC or not in this game depends on how much you value your priors. Has KC really figured out their offense in the playoffs? Or are they the same offense that they were in the regular season? I'm leaning towards the Chiefs offense being closer to what they've shown in the playoffs. This is still a team quarterbacked by someone who could eventually go down as the best ever at the end of his career. And KC against Buffalo had one of the most dominant offensive showings of the season. KC's offense only reached third down five times all game, averaged 8.4 yards per play minus kneel downs, and the final score of them winning by three wasn't really indicative of what a dominant performance it was, similar to the dominant performance they had in the playoffs against Miami. Plus, despite all this talk about the Ravens' defense, this KC defense has proven to be amongst the league's best. In nine games, with their core three defensive players, Nick Bolton, Chris Jones, and Legereus Sneed, in the lineup, Casey's defense is first in yards per play, second in EPA, third in success rate. This is arguably the most complete team of the Mahomes era, and I'll take Mahomes at the biggest underdog price we've seen for him in nearly four seasons. All right. I tell you, I, it's so funny, Fez. It feels like the sharper people that I know like Kansas City, but this line is telling us something different. I think the injury guys are betting the injury news, the bad injury report for Kansas City. But do you think that the injury money is big enough to be moving the, this a market this big at this? I mean, that seems like a small niche, right? Or is that some of the bigger betters too? Something? It's some of the bigger betters. So shouldn't we be taking that seriously? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I know I don't have the answer. It's, it's improving health for Baltimore and worsening health for Kansas City. And improving how this what this tight end Mark Andrews oh, and, and Marlon oh, Humphrey. Oh, is Mark Andrews covering back? And Marlon Humphrey, their uh, uh, their top corner. At some point, the the people who don't play can't be the top anymore. Like this left tackle that we've been waiting Stanley to get healthy for I don't know six years. It feels like that now he's sw- he, he he's playing like less than half the time, even when he's healthy. So all this time we were making excuses for Baltimore. It wasn't even the best. It wasn't even the best left tackle apparently. So you know I'll, I'll wait to hear Humphrey. He's only been out since week seventeen. Didn't he hasn't Mark, been out for that long. Isn't Mark Andrews been out with a broken leg? Yes, he, he's been out for a good while. I don't Humphrey's think he's going to be hundred percent with a with a broken fibula or whatever he has. Yeah, but he practiced last week, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, I think regardless what we know is Baltimore will have an excuse if they lose. We know that yes. much. We know that much for sure. Hey, two Harbaugh's in the NFL. I'm sure you're excited. I want to see them play each other and <laughs> yeah, maybe they do fight. next year. I want to see them fight each other yeah. maybe. All right, all right. Listen, hit, I mean, sample size be damned. I like the Hitman's angle generally. Let's hear what Diamond Dave Esler has to say. I want to run our record to even better. We're at 70% this year. And I, I took Kansas City plus three and a half over Baltimore. And 
you know, I, I almost did it Sunday night after the game, but I had to sleep on it to make sure I wasn't falling victim to recency bias. I mean, by now, everybody knows the Chiefs and Mahomes playoff records. Uh, so I'm going to spare you those. And, and most know Baltimore's dominance of late, so spare you that. But, 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 but the Ravens' recent streak, they really only have, I think, the one win over the 49ers that, that I would call a good win. Uh, and Kansas City is not the young Texans team. And I say young because I love experience over talent in the playoffs. And Lamar beat the Chiefs in, back in 2021 by one point at home. Um, that could happen again. That's great. I get three and a half. But uh, in his three previous matchups against Kansas City, he did not win. Uh, and this comes down to trust. And I trust Steve Spagnuolo to scheme this game and or make the adjustments. You know, remember, and I sincerely remember, uh, he was the defensive coordinator for the Giants when they beat the unbeaten Patriots in Arizona in the Super Bowl. Uh, and against Baltimore in four games, Mahomes has never thrown for less than 340 yards uh, and a passer rating of 131 or better three of the four times. I mean, we know his interceptions in the postseason are nearly nil. This comes down to who I trust. And, you know, I really trust Lamar not to put one on the ground or throw a pick. Uh, and we know that one big mistake at the most inopportune time is going to cost. And so it comes down to a matter of a trust. I trust Andy Reid. I trust Bagnolo and I trust Mahomes over uh, Baltimore, Baltimore, and Baltimore. So give me the Chiefs plus three and a half. So another dog here. <sighs> you getting worried, AJ? No. All right. Maybe you think the hitman's going directly out of his pick, like thinking AJ's getting some more tension than he's comfortable with the hit, he, hitman. I don't know. Does that feel like it? I gosh. I'm, Were you complaining about AJ like lording his record over? You know, you? don't take don't don't take this wrong, but I I think the correlation, the probability that the hitman has seen AJ's picks is is not high. Probably not. Well, I mean, he listens to this pod, so I mean, he he hears those. He, he but he he fast forwards liberally. Just through through, through my picks, yeah. AJ? I, I cannot disclose who who or what he focuses on. Fez, what do your power ratings say about this game? Just excellent, excellent. question. So I have uh, Baltimore a nine point five. I have Kansas City a seven. So that makes it a two and a half on a neutral, which means one and a half for home field gets me to like three point two five because of the key number of three. One and a half for home field. Interesting. All right, and that's after you bumped Baltimore up a point. You said, "Yep." I so, bumped Kansas City a point for their dominant statistical victory as well. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I'm R.J. Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas, and they got a water bottle, and they got, like, a celery chopped up. And let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1. But I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect, is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1, and all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2. 
and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against with Pick 6? You're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. Game number two, Detroit, San Francisco, San Fran at home. Fez, I see generally seven. What do you see exactly in the market? It is exactly seven. I saw it like at 6.8 earlier, and then it has leaked to seven, which is curious because I don't think there's – I think the big question injury-wise is Debo Samuel, critical to the San Francisco offense. And this is a mystery to me because if there's one offense that shouldn't – be reliant upon any skill position player. It's the most multifaceted San Francisco 49ers, but for whatever reason, they've been so much better when Debo has been in the lineup. So I have those numbers here. Uh, the 49ers are 12 and 1 straight up, 10 and 3 ATS when Debo starts and finishes the game. They are 1 and 4 straight up, 0 and 5 ATS when he either does not play or doesn't finish the game. That's this year. That's overall. In his career. Yes. Okay. I'm interested. Okay, so his career runs has been how many years now? Is this his third year? Because what I'm interested in is the whole McCaffrey. Let's not forget, McCaffrey trade last year was initially poo-pooed. It was like for a running back, Mm -hmm. but he's a weapon, right? That's the famous debate. But fundamentally, Shanahan saw something that was right because that offense since has been world beaters. But th- those are this year's stats. I'm sorry, yeah. 18 games. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's what I thought. So um, my question is, if you did the and, and I, maybe we could just look at Debo's um, stats since the McCaffrey trade. How many games did he miss last year? Because mm-hmm. when those two are together, it's and I don't know enough offense to really play like be like a chess player and explain like a chess move. But my understanding is this is. Shanahan understands the defensive rules very well, meaning when do they go man? When do they go into this default because they're seeing empty and they didn't expect it, whatever, whatever. So then he goes against those and tries to show them something that's deceiving. But having a running back that can be a receiver and a receiver that can be a running running back back. Mm -hmm. gives you complete optionality, I guess you'd call it. Flexibility. Yeah. And... To me, when you take away one, it's like one plus one equaled four. Uh, yes. So and then you take away one, you only have one left, right? Meaning taking away one loses you that whole, that guy and the 
compounded value of both of them together. A- absolutely. And and I know, like, I, I don't even want to quote, like, the yards per play difference with them and without them because it's like no no skill position, non-quarterback, skill position player can possibly be worth, like, more than two points. But it's just staggering how much worse the offense is without them. And also, I think it's important to take note that of those games where Debo was out, two of those games, Trent Williams was missing too. So you're missing mm-hmm. arguably mm-hmm. the best tackle in all of football for those games as well. So it's hard to say it's only Debo that matters. I, I, I'm with you. I think it's like it's it's a piece here, a piece here, a piece here, and it all eventually adds up. So there was a game, uh, a couple of games last year that Debo didn't play, that McCaffrey did play mm-hmm. with San Francisco. So in the Rams game, which was the second, which was McCaffrey's actual, like, you know, first full game because mm-hmm. the Kansas City game, he only had eight carries. Uh, 18 carries, 94 yards, and a touchdown. He had eight catches for 55 yards and a touchdown. That was a game that Debo did not play. What was in the final score last yeah. year? Final score, they beat the Rams 31 14. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that one is good, was fine without him. And then what mm-hmm. was the other game they missed? Uh, so let's see. Next game without him, um, it was an Atlanta game. No. All right, let me, I'll, I've got to pull this up again. Yeah, yeah, take a minute with that. Um, so. Fez, what, this line assumes what do you think? Because we, it seems like some of us think he's going to play, some don't. I, what's your injury? What's that injury site say? The injury site says <laughs> with they don't know. Okay. Yeah. They, but the uh, I think without him, this line would close like six and a quarter. With them, it's going to close like seven and a quarter. Okay. So you think it's a, it's a little bit, uh, you know, seven minus fifteen with them. And you're thinking six flat without them? Six point two five. Okay, okay. So hmm. that sound right to you? Does that mean they're they're hedged more towards he's not going to play? No, they think he's more likely to play because it's currently. Oh, that's seven. what I mean. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. So, so I got the three other games last year without Debo. Uh, McCaffrey, 26 for 108 and a touchdown. I don't really care about McCaffrey as much as I want to hear. The oh, they game. won all three games. Okay. 37-34 in overtime against the Raiders, 37-20 over Washington, 21-13 over Seattle. So they've been what? They've, they've done well offensively. Yeah, no, they, did, they would not have covered one of those. Right? Yeah. The Raiders wouldn't have covered, right? But, but that was... Def- the points the defense gave up. I mean, the offense has been fine. Yeah, that's a good point, too. So, yeah, that's interesting. Read the uh, – just he missed four games or three last year? Four last year when McCaffrey was there. All right, so read me the, their output, scoring output in the four games. Okay, uh, 31, 21, 37, 37. Yeah, okay. so – And this year in the games without uh, Debo this year, remember he got hurt in that Cleveland game. So, I guess, do we count that Cleveland game as him missing and – their, their I, I think output. in general, if someone gets hurt during the game, I just toss it because I mean, it, I guess yeah. it matters when. To... But the following weeks, yeah. they only scored twenty-two against Minnesota. And they, oh, I'm sorry, they scored seventeen against Minnesota, seventeen against Cincinnati. Okay, all right. So we blend it all together. It's not as bold, you know, bold uh, font as this season. But I think still together, he's an impa- highly impactful player. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and I think AJ's question was the right question. I don't. I think the range you're talking about kind of makes sense of his worth around seven because seven's worth like about 12 cents. Okay. But then the question becomes like, where is the assumptions now? Because you're guessing that's what your sense of what the line would be. I don't know. I tell you this about Detroit, and this is an amazing stat of any team that's in the conference finals that. Won two games to get there, so a non-buy team. Mm-hmm. They're the first team this century 
And my playoff data that I really trust goes back only to 2001 right now. They're the first team to have a net ATS negative margin in the first two games. Meaning not in both games, but when you combine it. Mm-hmm. So they didn't cover the spread by what um, two two point two and a half or two points against the Rams in the Rams, and they covered by one in this game. So right because it was eight instead of seven Six and a half. Yeah, yep. yeah. So you add it up, you think, oh well, yeah, okay. So they're minus a point or whatever. That's the only team that's made the finals that met that criteria. Interesting. And so it's like. Okay, there's all this excitement about Detroit. I think they've been upgraded significantly since the playoffs began, wouldn't you say? No. Well, they certainly were upgraded enough to become seven-point favorites against Tampa Bay when it was the look-ahead was like four and a half. But right? That's a good, that, you know, that's a good point. But I, I guess I, I, let, let me ask: What would the point spread have been um, of these teams if um, if you would have set a look-ahead line before the playoffs started? I think it would have been upwards of almost ten. I think it would have been nine. You know, nine actually, half. I think you're right. I think it would. I I, I think it would have been. I, I I I think you're right. I think it would have been nine. So so wash. I mean, how much do you downgrade San Francisco? So let's be specific. How much did you? I, I lowered them a point. I thought it was. I, they looked extremely vulnerable, and they easily could have lost the game. So that says you don't believe the rain was a big deal. I actually do believe the rain was a big deal. Then how can you downgrade them a point? Because. They, I think they should have lost the game outright. So, like, if, if the the rain was probably five points of it, I still, but but I mean, they they still should have been able to win by four without like getting every break known to man at the end of the game and having Green Bay implode in the red zone. It was just it, they were fortunate to survive, very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think the Rams probably should have won that first game. I agree, and. I don't have as I mean I liked Tampa last week so I mean the two point conversion swung it. Uh, what would you say the score of that game if you did a true score to that spot game? on? Okay, so you think it was right around a touchdown? Yeah. AJ, what, let's talk just the game for a second. Last week, what did you, we can talk either game, San Fran or Detroit? What was your main any main takeaways? My main takeaway was I, I thought I I just haven't been impressed with Detroit and. I thought that Tampa was uh, maybe the worst team in the playoffs, uh, and they let them hang around in that game for way too long. And I just think in general, like you said, they should have lost to the Rams. They they let the worst team in the playoffs hang around with them. I I think there's an overreaction to what we saw out of the 49ers. Like, we saw them play a bad game, and they still won, but they they didn't play well. But in general, this team has just dominated all season long I don't. I'm not in the camp that says, "Well, Purdy sucks now because he played a bad game in the rain." I, I still think the 49ers are just significantly better than the Detroit Lions. Now, there's a theory out there that San Fran's going to score against anyone, so Detroit's bad defense doesn't mean as much. The only the only question is, will Detroit get their points? Well, Logical, it, but I'm I'm worried that golf isn't going to be as good outdoors. Although the weather's going to be completely pristine. Well, then that'd be a way to play it, though. But yeah. isn't the question is Detroit's points? I think that is the the handicap. I think San, we're San Fran's going to get their thirty points, and is Detroit going to be able to keep up? So is it this is a situation where it's Detroit and the over? If you if you like Detroit, you pretty you like much gotta over. like the over. You like Detroit, I agree. you like the over, one hundred percent. San Francisco is going to get theirs. I mean. Remember last week I gave, I gave the stats on how the Lions' defense has been torched 
by number one wide receivers in particular. This will lead me into a best bet that I have mm-hmm. on this game, uh, which is actually an alternate on a prop. But they've just been they, in the last five games. The, Justin Jefferson, 141 yards and a touchdown. C.D. Lamb, 227 yards and a touchdown. J.J. again, 192 and a touchdown. Puka, 181 and a touchdown. Last week, Mike. Would you call me? Yeah, oh, okay. last week Mike Evans 147 and a touchdown. Like number n- number one wide receivers are torching this Lions defense. So who's the number one wide receiver? Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk. Okay, and now like if if you look at Brandon Ayuk, his prop is inflated at 80 and a half. Yeah. How uh, could his prop even be out there if we don't know what Debo's doing? The assumption is, I mean, I think the the, the line That's is question. being put out there without Debo. Uh, so th- so what what was Ayuk entering the Ayuk entering the last game? His win total, or I'm sorry, his prop, because that's yeah. going to tell us something. Right? Yeah, and I don't, I don't think Ayuk's been 81 all year long. No, this, it, it, this is, this is a high prop for him. Um, all season long, he's been. Let's see, because they were playing a bad defense last week. 67 and a half against uh, the Packers. Yeah. Oh, that's very inflated. 69 and a half against Washington. 65 and a half. 69 and a half. 68. 66. That's his average. Is around there. Uh, his prop bets here. So it's definitely inflated. However, I will say this. So if Debo scratched Ayuk. Even though it's inflated, we, we go Ayuk over. I think we right? go Ayuk alternate total over. So here's some no, here's some notes here. You can you can get the alternate over a hundred yards for him at plus one sixty five, and if you look at his production this year at home, he's had seven home games. He's gone over a hundred receiving yards in five of those seven games. The only two home games he did not go over a hundred receiving yards. The, four, the blowout win against Dallas, which you would expect them not to throw the football when they're up by 30 points, and the last game of the season against the Rams with Sam Darnold. All right, so let's do this. Let's save this deeper conversation mm-hmm. for the um, same game parlay pod. But I do think his prop tells us something about, well, what do you think the prop would be if if Debo was out? What is This is what it is. Well, we don't know that Debo's out. I think the the prop line is being put out there as if Debo's not playing. He it, didn't practice again today, and it does seem to be. It's certainly it's hedging, so but it certainly accounts for it. The question is, what would it go to? If it doesn't move very much at all, if he's out, then you're right. I just don't know what it would. Doesn't be. feel like it can go much higher. Like yeah, you're, you're looking at a guy that's that's normally at 69, 68 yards, and he's at eighty and a half right now. What's gonna it could go well, eighty two and a half, eighty three and a half? We know Debo's missed games this year. Can we check Ayuk's number in the other, a couple other games Debo missed? Yeah. So in the Cincinnati game that Debo missed, he was his total was at sixty seven and a half, and he had one hundred and nine receiving yards in that mm-hmm. game. The Minnesota game, it was seventy four and a half. He went under uh, at 57 yards. And in the Cleveland game, well, Debo played, but he left that game early. So I think go under Ayuk and go with San Francisco if you believe – if you believe Debo's playing on a two-teamer, mm. right? Because the theory is uh, both uh, he are plays, gonna, both, I like it, hel- it helps San Francisco, and it really, in the 80s, but those, yep. but those stats that I gave out about the the going over 100 receiving yards in five of the seven home games, six of those games, Debo did play. Mm. So, so he still gets his over. Be, like he, would, would, oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, my number one take on, on the game also is I I think Detroit's going to get blasted. I, I, I think they're not that good. They their defense is lousy, and the celebratory nature of the Motor City with those two home wins. Both of them were so emotional, 
And like RJ yeah, but, said, but how can you have the second win and say how the first one was emotional? They they covered the next game, right? That was part of my handicap because of the stupid two point conversion. <laughs> I mean, yeah. these guys they did plink, the point go puck. Um, but I think I but but they played disappointing, and but they still came away. With like, oh, the confetti drops down. It's like we're we are the champions, and like break out the cigars. If anything going on the road is going to stop that. And, and yeah, refo- I mean, I think I, the, I, the problem you're I have the first time they're in a conference champ. Let's get this straight: the first time they're in a conference championship game in how long? Nineteen was it? Nineteen ninety. Imagine the blood alcohol Uh-oh. that they blew Sunday night after that game. That the entire team. Now, I'm asking you a question. Do you believe? That they're the, the conference championship, they're not going to be focused. That they're going to be like, I don't even know what eating pizza on Wednesday night. Like, what are they doing <laughs> that makes them where they're not ready to play that game? I don't. I don't see people come out flat in conference championship I, games. I, I think they're completely celebratory on Sunday night, Monday, and it hurts their early week preparation. Uh huh. I think. I think everybody. Dan Campbell like, seems like the type that lets. The, the, who cares the, about Dan Campbell? It's like all these players about, are like. Oh, every one of the media is like, we got to get yeah. you. We got to get you on. You know, at two o'clock on the AJ used to do this right when you you get these players to come on your show right to like like the day after a big win or the two days after you know and it's like did 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 they seem fully focused and when they had like the, a generation win? No, I mean they're obviously even a with a huge game on deck though. It's different. <laughs> How would he know as a radio guy how focused they are? Well, he was because he had inner connections with the players. I'm assuming. So. Remember, he had his his past <laughs> before the incident. 1991 was the last time they were in the conference championship. They were in the conference championship in 1991. Yep. I thought it was longer than that. Mm. Well, I thought that was the last time they won a playoff game. Yeah, it was, they and they put them in the conference oh, no. championship. Okay. Now, can I ask a question about we we talk about the Lions being outdoors, right? And Goff's stats, and I can mm-hmm. go over the stats if you'd like about Goff for indoors versus outdoors this season, career, whatever. Yeah, the Lions have not been outdoors since December 10th in Chicago. They've played six straight indoor games. This is their first outdoor game out of the last seven seven games they, that they played. They haven't won a game outdoors since week six. Yeah. But like forget about forget about well, like how many did they lose in that time? Two. Okay. But, but so just, just think about that. They haven't practiced on grass. They haven't run on grass since December 10th in Chicago. Mm-hmm. They've just been on turf. And now they're now they're now they have to go out on grass. Although they which get will to, slow them down. Although, but they do get absolutely pr- pristine, perfect conditions. Yeah, but being out, I'm not, the 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 whole indoors versus outdoors thing. I don't think it's so mm-hmm. much to do with weather. I think it has to do with surface, playing surface, and and just seeing the sun in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole it's, it is different. So, uh, and then you golf eleven games outdoors with the Lions. He's five five and one straight up, six and five ATS this season in eight road games versus the home games. Now this is all indoors and outdoors. Um, his yards per attempt is down by one yard on the road, eight point one at home to seven point one uh, on the road. Sixty four point three QBR at home, fifty seven point eight QBR on the road. I think there is something to the grass versus the turf and the fast track and the you know the back shoulder throws and the timing, the meticulous timing that is so easy to do when you're in a dome and a controlled environment that's more difficult outdoors. Those five games outdoors this year for Jared Goff, uh, five touchdowns, four interceptions, three sacks per game. All right, so first off, I, this season, those stats are underwhelming regarding the mm-hmm. big difference. Yeah. Meaning, yeah. so we got some numbers here. Now, the f- first thought, the grass numbers aren't so bad. So we go back, Dan Campbell's career, or three years, 
And on grass, the ATS record is for the Lions? Seven and five. That sounds pretty good, right? Okay, but the ATS margin... Minus 1.62. All right, so not as good as 7.5, but then you might think still not a disaster. Well, let's look at them on turf in those three years. It's um, 29 and 12 ATS with a plus 2.26 margin. Okay, that's not as big as I thought it would be, but okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Fez, I want to save you from naysayers because you were talking about how Dan Campbell isn't highly valued. You know, the more I thought about it, like, there was a time after the kneecap-biting speech that there was a sense he was a meathead. I mean, he has gained a massive amount of uh, appreciation of, of being valued. I bet a, t- a sharp, at least the analytics people, if you said, where's Dan Campbell? He's certainly a top-ten coach at this point amongst the analytics people. Now, what is it about, from your perspective, that made you think otherwise? Because he makes... On occasion, extremely flawed decisions that everybody knows is flawed. Example going he's overly aggressive. Yes. Example going for two from the seven yard line. And no one is ever going to agree with that decision. There's not an analytics person in the entire industry that's going to say otherwise. And that's just an egregious mistake. However, he's kind of like a maniac, no limit poker player. Directionally, he's correct. Most of the coaches are a little bit too conservative, so the fact that he goes for it, yeah, so I think is good. I think you're missing a couple of things. Hmm. One is, and I told you this. I'm not sure if it didn't stick. Is the strong belief was he was never going to snap that ball. That when he went for it on the seven, he was to draw him he off. was free rolling, trying to draw him off size. So if like to to point that as an example. I don't think that's fair because, if anything, it was brilliant. Think about third-level thinking to say, I'm going to look like I'm steaming. I'm going to go out and go for it on the seven, but I'm really not going to go for it. Except for even if you draw them offside, you're still in the three-and-a-half-yard line, and, and the analytics people will still say it's a mistake to go for it. Well, I, I, I think it matters what the situation— But it's close. It's close. I, yeah. So, I, I, and the idea that one decision that we have no idea what is behind it could be a sign. Like, so before that, he was beloved? I mean, like, you're wrong about the general consensus. I'm not saying you're wrong. You might think he's a square and that he really is, but the general consensus is he's highly regarded. That, mm. amongst the people that are analytically driven. Um I'm, let me let me ask you this. So, how does he foul up the end game against Tampa Bay, where he can just he can run out the clock with the proper victory formations, and he doesn't, and he lets Tampa Bay call timeout and get the ball back? How does that happen? So, explain exactly what the mistake was. So, there was a minute and thirty five seconds to play. All right, and Tampa Bay had one timeout. Detroit had the ball in field goal range, up eight, and if they just ran the shot clock all the way down. The shot, okay. The uh, play, play clock. clock. Play clock down. They could run out the clock. Game was over. All right? And so they— So why weren't they kneeling? Well, they were kneeling, but they weren't running—they the, didn't run the play clock all the way down. So, so they was that him or was that Jared Goff snapping? Well, you, I mean— you, What do you mean? The thing goes off at 15 seconds, so he's not in his well, head. How, well, how can he not tell his quarterback, obviously, snap the do ball one second left? Do we know what he said? We don't. But, okay. I've, but I've seen this end game play out— 20 times with with other NFL teams. Every single one of them knows, well, it's obvious. I wait till one second's left on the clock or two seconds and so they snap that, the ball. So then that would sound like that Jared Goff wouldn't need to – I mean, we don't know if he was told that or not. Fair enough. So 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 Jared Goff could be the biggest dummy in the NFL. To, to be fair, fans, we don't know what went down at the, at the end of that game because Todd Bowles also didn't call the timeout to get the ball back. 
and he said the game was over. They were going to kick a field goal. Inevitable. Why prolong the inevitable? Because you so, could win. But, but, so, but, that, but that, you don't know if, if, if Dan Campbell, if Jared Goff and them, like all the players are knowing and the headsets are already off on the other sideline. Everyone concedes the game's over. So they just snap well, the ball I think and take that, the I knee. I think that is what happens. But nevertheless, you 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 – you, you run the clock down to two seconds. Every every thir, 31 of 32 NFL teams runs the clock down to two seconds, and the Lions didn't. So maybe, maybe I'm overly being hypercritical on, on one or two isolated instances that I saw. And so I could I think, be on an island. I think your, your point about Campbell can be taken in a different way. And maybe the question could be asked differently. How does being in this spot affect him? Playing in the conference championship game now – with all the success that he's had, does he coach differently? I don't he, think so. Does he, so you think he's still going to – so I nothing's going to change. The moment why would change it? him. Why would he? He's been ultra-aggressive. He's got to the conference championship. I can't imagine he's suddenly going to not yeah, – Now you're on the road. To go different, yeah. Uh, now you're seven-point dogs. Well, I think being a seven-point dog, he's going to be more aggressive. Well, remember now, if you look at the record of – Detroit during his regime, it, the ATS is the best. Yeah, in they're the incredible. Yeah. Yes. And some of that makes sense when he has been, and like if you look at his first year, maybe look what his average line was. His average line in 2021, meaning the spread, was what? I'm guessing six yeah. point. Under- yeah, we all thought he was a dope. <laughs> so, well, of course, if he's, I, he's a good coach, he's average he's, line in his value. first year, they were plus 8.2 is the average line. So wow. if you're if you're an eight point underdog like that, you're gonna you're gonna be inclined to go for a lot of fourth down. Like that's what you th- the game theory is that's, very that's strong. That's true. So I don't know how much of it is like this uh, layover of how he was in a different situation. Because I don't I can't think of many games this year that they were winning that he did something super crazy that that cost him the game. I mean, it's a good point. I think he he, he got heavily criticized for like a, a one fake punt in the game, but he was he was down significant I don't know if that that was the Bears loss, but he was down significantly already in that game and that kind of like sealed his fate, but it was the right thing to do. But that's what all the analytics people say Go is if him. you always are trying to not knock yourself out of a game mm-hmm. that that when you have the overtime, then you got to you got to have four things like it's a double inside straight, but if you take some risks early you might knock yourself out, but you can actually get real competitive. Much better to take a fourth and sixth than because let's, let's face it, how many times those those games we see it, well, teams have to do a Hail Mary or, or convert a fourth and 22 down the road because now they're forced to do it. Yeah. I just, I think the worst kind of analysis of a coach is finding stray plays that we don't even have full context for and saying that no smart coach could do that. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a good point because, like, and maybe it's my blackjack background where, like, I see a guy stand on A6. All right. As an example, like don't need to see anything else. This guy is a complete another fool. You know, like that uh, that that one play call. And so I maybe I overreact to one of those when I, when when a coach makes a mistake like that. We have a headline. Analytics say Lions coach Dan Campbell's in-game decisions best in the NFL. Mm. All right, Detroit Lions coach uh, under scrutiny because this was right after the Seattle game. Unorthodox decisions during the team's 37-31 loss to Seattle. That was this season, if you remember. Um, however, according to one statistical model, Campbell. This is from a Lions blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, Campbell's in-game decisions have actually helped the Lions more than any other team or any other NFL coaches helped their respective teams. Eric Eager, formerly a PFF. Now with the analytics company Sumer Sports, recently tweeted that Campbell has added more win probability points with his in-game decisions than any other coach. Um, And that involved um, 
Fourth down decisions, two-point conversions, timeouts, et cetera, is what it says. And who might argue with Eric Eager? In all seriousness, he's, I have the utmost confidence in, in his stuff, so I, I, will, I will defer to him. Um, okay, that's interesting. Um, let me see, last thing. Has Wrangley been on top of these sort of rankings since taking over in 2021? Uh, they went for it on fourth down at an almost a historic rate. And the analytics community praised him for leading the pack in statistically correct decisions. Not to mention the Lions are built to go for it on fourth down with a bad defense and a great offense. And last season, uh, so 2022, Campbell finished third and win probability added. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. It looks like there's a list here. Um, let me see. We can see who else you're wrong about. Um, okay. So this— Everyone. <laughs> I'm guessing I'm right about Ron Rivera. Uh <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to, so let me see. Do I only have the top 15? Because then I can't really do it. Um, yeah. Okay. So here's the list. Uh, this was for 2022. Sirianni was number one. Mm -hmm. Now, the Phillies been that for a long time. So I don't know where that's coming from. McDermott, number two. Dan Campbell, three. Brandon Staley, four. So two of your guys, AJ, right in the top four. Eberflus. <laughs> don't want Brandon Staley to be my guy. Eberflus, fifth. John Harbaugh, sixth. Cliff Kingsbury, out of the league, seventh. Though he might be coming back to Chicago, right? Arthur Smith, out of the league, oh, eighth. My. Stefanski, ninth. Andy Reid, tenth. Doug Peterson, almost out of the league, eleventh. <laughs> LaFleur, twelfth. Mike McCarthy, thirteenth. Kyle Shanahan, fourteenth. Out of the league, Josh McDaniels. This isn't a list I want to be on necessarily. No. <laughs> All right. We got that cleared up. <laughs> AJ, what's your pick in this one? Uh, I lean to the under. That's my opinion on this game is the under. Uh, I, I think that the Lions, to have any success, have to run the football. And you just can't you can't really throw on these 49ers. They are elite against the pass. They are weak whoa, against whoa, the run. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think San Fran, if you get, if they're get, if the quarterback has time, is is very very vulnerable in the secondary. I think the whole question is, can this elite Detroit offensive line stop this elite plus? I I don't know who's ranked higher. I think they're both top five D line for San Francisco, O line for Detroit. This seems like this is all about pressure. Right. If, if if you tell me that San Fran or De Goff's going to have time, Detroit's going to score. I agree. I think the question is Green Bay guys are open. Yeah. Detroit guys are going to get open. Yeah, I think the question, but but Green Bay's passing um, offensive line, though they Bakhtiari was out, they still were top five in the league. Mm -hmm. So if anything, so that's the. I mean, I, I don't think we can be certain San Fran's going to get pressure on them, but I think that's the key to San Fran. Agreed, but I mean, you you would also agree that San Francisco much weaker against the run than against the pass in general. I don't believe. I, I truly believe that when we look at the running teams and all the best teams are the weakest against the run by design. At, at some point, that I think it is. Once again, these are the the worst rush D teams in this case. But why don't you get up DVOA? I've got it right here. I don't know right. if you know this, RJ. You give up six yards of rush on first down. That's a that's a win for the defense. Sa San Francisco, who is San Francisco's said. fourth overall DVOA defensively. No, no I, I I just want to hear. I want to hear who the worst uh, eight teams are against a run. Okay. So t go twenty four. I guess do three. Uh, twenty four is Indy. All right. Twenty five Seattle. 
Okay. 26 Green Bay. All right. 27 Kansas City. Mm-hmm. 28 Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. 29 Giants. Mm-hmm. 30 Cardinals. Mm-hmm. 31 Broncos. 32 Panthers. All right. So I think, you know, here's the thing. I know Arizona is very forward-thinking. Uh it, it it does seem curious. Like if we look at offense, so how many teams? How many? Um, because let's be honest, Indianapolis was borderline playoff, uh, and so let's say five hundred or better. So nine win teams. Uh, right? Indy, Green Bay, Kansas City. So Seattle was nine and eight, weren't they? Oh yeah, Seattle too. You're right. All right. So if we read the bottom eight offensive teams, there's probably no playoff teams in there. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Overall offense or just uh, run offense? Mm, uh, eh, that's interesting. I guess um, run off. That's interesting. Yeah, do e- either way. I guess. Okay. I guess it's for apples. Apples. We do run. Okay. Uh, rush offenses: twenty-four Raiders, twenty-five Panthers, twenty-six Jags, twenty-seven Vikings, twenty-eight Bucks, twenty-nine Giants, thirty Texans, thirty-one Jets, thirty-two Chargers. Okay. Three playoff teams. Well, that's interesting. The Chargers had um, 240 yards the first game. Remember rushing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, was, I, I looked at the EPA uh, numbers uh, here for San Francisco. Rush EPA, they are uh, 26th in the league. Is this defense or offense? Defense. Okay. But drop back EPA, they're sixth best. Yeah. So I I think San Fran's another team that's like that, that is saying, hey, you want to run? We're not going to love it, but we're not going to go crazy. Mm-hmm. We're not going to let you pass. And now, but the passing question is how much time, it all seems to come down to time. So can you look at uh, San Francisco's um, opponents when they have time or when they don't have time? PFF has that, right? Or maybe clean pot, however you want to look at it. And we'll jump back to you. And you, you, brought, in, you brought up Kansas City in that exact same manner. Uh, a rush EPA, they're 28th, uh, but drop back EPA, third best. I mean, this does seem to be... Especially with his too high, they're saying it's hard to stop the run in the too high really effectively. Some of the teams can do it, and then Baltimore's one that's been Baltimore's better against the run than you'd think for right. Or am I wrong about yeah, that? Yeah, Baltimore against the run is seventh, well, sixteenth uh, uh, in EPA rush EPA, which uh, is consi- but drop back their number two second best. Yeah, see that's interesting, Feds. Thinking just about San Fran versus Baltimore for a second. I think you can really question San Fran's defense. That not that it's a top, that not that it's below average. I think it's reasonable. They're the tenth best defense. Well, I, I, they had some injuries, and I think they were elite. Well, every team has injuries. Yeah, right? but they but they they were for whatever reason they were an elite defense week eight and nine. No one's saying they're an elite defense now. You know, yeah, there's there's been multiple games that they've shown vulnerabilities recently. And I would make the case Baltimore hasn't. I agree. Right. So, like, if you think about that matchup, the the wor- the most questionable unit is most certainly San Fran's defense. Yes. I mean, because my, I mean, Baltimore's got the offense and defense. What were you gonna say? Uh, you can only ser- you can only uh, search by quarterback, not by opponents. Quarterback on PFF. There's there's no defensive numbers for him. No. That doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, well, you can probably look. Well, the game by game. All right, I'll look. I mean, I'll look at that and. We'll see. Uh, I guess I'm not even sure. I'm not an expert. I, I want to get into that stuff more. Uh, what, what did we ever figure out with Mahomes in the zone and the in the man to man? Point five, just under point five EPA uh, per pass play. Uh huh. 
uh, 0.28 EPA per uh, pass play against man. So first number against zone and 0.28 against man. Okay, so that's clearly better against zone, but 0.28 is... But they're very good against both. Yeah, okay. And what percentage of the time did they see zone? And what uh, uh, It's about 3 to 1 zone to man. Okay. You know, I know it was raining, obviously, but the remember um, Shanahan when he had Jimmy G? He didn't trust him in the big games. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the halftime's approaching. He's like, yeah, just hand the ball off. And he did it again against uh, Green Bay at the end of the first half. And with a total of 51, you got golf that's not as good outdoors. And if Purdy's going to be, if San Fran's going to go conservative, that's a sky high total. Yeah, but how much was the conservative last week because of the weather and the, un, you know, Purdy not it's performing well in the rain? It's a great point. And uh, we mentioned, you know, the, the uncertainty of wearing the glove, not wearing the glove, working on maybe, the sideline with and the maybe glove. That's, and the maybe glove. I'm overreacting to that. I think maybe I'm going to look at Detroit's team total under more than the full game under. The more the Lions are bottom 10 in yards after catch allowed, they're bottom five in missed tackles. Kittle is the top tight end in yards after catch. McCaffrey's the top tight end after yards after or the top running back yards after contact. Like this feels like just a bad matchup for San Francisco or for Detroit's defense, which makes me scared. So let's talk about under. those the Detroit defensive numbers. So you're saying yards after catch, missed tackle. Like let's be very specific. What what, what info do we have? They, they are uh, eighth in yards after catch per loud, eighth from the bottom. Okay, so yards after catch allowed. So that's going to a lot be. Um, are they playing? A softer defense, usually they rally and tackle, but in this case, they're saying, no, they're probably playing a little bit more aggressive D, not so much the too high, and they're getting burnt. They're getting burnt. But it also pairs with that yards, or with the missed tackles, because they're fourth from the bottom in missed tackles, so a lot of the yards after contact could be, or yards after catch could be, they tried to tackle the guy, they missed a tackle, and he got more yardage. I would agree 100% that if there's any team that those two stats matter the most, it's San Francisco mm-hmm. as the opponent, because they're going to put, they get more yak than any team, yep. and that's their, st- and plus they have that bruising physical receivers. Um, I mean, they are more physical blo- with the receivers blocking and and just generally the after the yards after the catch in any team in the NFL. So if you got a, a D that's a little soft, you know, I mean for NFL soft, right? That's a little bit mm-hmm. di- okay. So that see that makes me like the San Fran. Oh, so but why? What's the San Fran team total? Twenty nine. Why Detroit, are we fighting? Why are we Detroit fighting twenty two? Because you know, I I kind of like AJ's idea here because I, I'm leaning under mm-hmm. and I'm leaning San Fran. So Detroit team total under twenty two makes sense to me. Okay, so it's 22. I, I like that number. That's too. just what the math would be, I'm uh, sure. 21 and a half. Is same, what, what, same thing. Yeah. Well, no, no. 22 <laughs> comes You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Close. I agree. All right, so the rationale here is San Fran Merriman, you're thinking they're not going to put up 40. So, yeah, 30. You, if, you, if you had to bet nothing or over San Fran, you still want to bet, right? You think that's positive. Yeah, I lean think. over. But your thinking is you think that Detroit is going to – so, so you like the under in general. See, that's the interesting question, though. If you would like San Fran over by themselves, then you can't bet the under unless you just bet the team total. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, I like that number. Hmm. What's the downside? I mean, what's the negative to this? 
Dan Campbell goes for it on every fourth down, yeah. and it's like, and the final score is forty-two thirty-one. Like I talked about the uh, the landing on crazy numbers. They mm-hmm. they go for two, and they end up yeah. scoring twenty-two instead of twenty-one. Could happen. What? It's the same thing. <laughs> uh, the um, so with these streaks. If we look at Detroit, they've gone over one straight game, so that mathematically would be a plus one. And San Fran's gone under one game, so mathematically that's a minus one. You add it up as a zero. Okay. If you look at these two teams in the playoffs, two teams, you add up their over-under streaks, if it's not positive, meaning it's zero or negative, so there, there's no positive streak towards the over, Fez, it goes over 20 under seven, one push. 20, seven, and one. And it's five points per game over. And it makes sense, right? Is the idea of if they people watch overs in the playoffs, they think it's going to continue. And if they see unders, they think it's going to continue. And since in general, um, you know, the whole idea of what zero swings to, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure the rationale why, but if you look at just zero... It's, uh, let's see here, if we look at all the playoffs, and this is what's interesting, all the playoffs, zero is right around break even, but in the conference championship game, zero goes over pretty significantly. I I do think these conference championship games are unique in that you're one game from the Super Bowl. Teams get more conservative in these games. That's the question I had sometime. about Dan Campbell. Does do you think that he tightens up a little bit? Do you think that he changes a little bit because but, of? But the data says the games the go over. No, no, I know that. Um, Maybe it's the lack of penalties on the offense. Or I, I, what I feel like it is is every game, the impact of these games is so. Nobody gives up. So teams go for it. Teams down sixteen or, or down seventeen, fourth and eight from their own twenty-two. They're going for it. You know, no, I agree with that too. Um, you know, if you just if you look at all playoff games actually, and you say, um, okay, this makes sense. You know, because if you actually look at the minus one, it's eleven and thirteen. So you're thinking, but it's four points over eleven and thirteen, but four points over over under margin. And then if you look at the zero, it's twenty two and eighteen, but it's three and a half points over. So it's like it's crazy over if you look at the and I know there's a little bit of a bias towards the over there. Maybe we should play this. Maybe we should play the salami over. Is there a salami with two teams? Yeah. Really? What's so they just right now? What are they adding it up? They're not. They're not giving. They don't add a little bit to it. They don't. Okay, so you like that? Yeah. I mean, your numbers are pretty. When I hear eleven and thirteen to the under with a three point five bias to the over, hell yeah! Yeah, this is. Int- I mean, the whole salami factor yes. is what you're talking about. Okay. That's that's telling me that you're getting some a lot of forty five thirty one type of uh, random games. More outliers. The, of the outliers park. team gets behind big and just all oh, hell breaks loose. Okay, so that means even if one team goes under twenty points, you. I mean, like when that would matter is okay. That's fascinating. Um, okay, so let's think about it. So our, our thought on the first game, well, we know that Harbaugh goes under with Lamar. That worries me a little yeah. bit. Um, and you like you have like we, ten, and we kind of like the I, under, I don't so like maybe the that put yeah that that puts I think it puts the kibosh. We so, gen we were leaning under game one. So what's your case for the under? It's just you think Detroit gets stopped. Uh, I think that Detroit r- runs the ball more than they normally would. And I think the outdoor numbers against golf 
that make me think that they're going to want to be more conservative as far as throw versus pass. And I think San Francisco wants to run the ball. And the Niners' slowest team in the league in seconds per play. So, and, and they're good. At the, the Lions, the best thing about them is they're good against the run, but I don't think it's going to dissuade the 49ers from running. I think they're going to run at them. I know this. Goff, or I'm sorry, Purdy having a bad game last week does tend to give Shanahan, let's say, apprehension, you would think. And he tends to he tends to run a ton in the second half with the mm-hmm. lead, so I wonder I wonder if Sam Fran and the under, and I mean in general favorite and the under doesn't work, but it feels like it does here, doesn't it? I think it does. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just like we talked about at the beginning, if you like the Lions, you have to like. We the don't over. think the Lions are getting to twenty four points. That's I don't think they're getting to twenty. I don't either. That's I, I think my my favorite. Where I've landed the best on this game is the Lions team total under. Okay. And that's where you're at, Fez? Yeah. I'll, I'll endorse that. Under 21 and a half. Better if you get 22. Now, listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's the here's what I need to say. When there's two games, chances are the sides are right in both, If not, certainly in one of them. Chances are the total's right in both, certainly one, oh, almost certainly one of them. I mean, not certainly in either case, but it's hard to think they're both wrong. And remember, when I say right or wrong, there's a minus 110 corridor. So let's, let's look at this um, San Fran game. Let's say seven right now is at seven and a half and six and a half. Break even. You're breaking even. So literally, if the, it, 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 this line, ha- if it's got to be either six or eight to make this playable, if it's yes. seven, right? Because it's going to be break even. At mm-hmm. if it's off by a half, thus it's got. Now, do you think the line should be eight? You think the line should be six? If so, fire. If not, don't. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, I I don't think either of those make a ton of sense. I mean, I don't. I can't imagine Detroit taking Detroit. You know, I so just just because I I am skeptical of them. I but, think the only way you know the line six or eight is if you have information about if Debo Samuel's playing or not. No, I I agree and. But again, it's back to that idea. If he if he's so uncertain in a championship game, does he even possibly? It's come? a great. It's a great. Even if he plays, you're really not getting any mm-hmm. any information if he can play worth a lick. Yeah, you almost think if he plays and it goes up, up take then the then the yep. seven and a half. It, it's almost like no no information. So if it ticks up to seven and a half, which it could, but still, we just said if the line should be seven, we're getting seven and a half. We don't have an edge. I find it fascinating to think we've got one proven quarterback in the playoffs out of the four, right? And supposedly they're going to be underdogs. Right now, Kansas City's a two-and-a-half-point underdog if they play San Francisco. It was three. Jared Goff did go to a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. We, I, we, do, we do have the two MVP um, favorites from four weeks ago and I mean, Mahomes. Listen, Lamar, we've talked at length. There's uncertainty with him in the playoffs. There just is. Mm. There's certainly uncertainty with Purdy, right? I mean, we got two playoff games now that he's played and not got hurt. And one he was horrible, and the other he was good in. So, I mean, horrible might be strong, but he certainly didn't play well. Boy, it feels like there's a potential. I mean, wouldn't you say that? I mean, I can remember when it was Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Mahomes, and uh, Joe Burrow. Oh, no. Who did Kansas City beat? Was that the Buffalo game they beat? Yeah. Okay. So we, just think about this. A couple years ago, Josh Allen, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. 
right? Now, only only Josh Allen was uncertain. Now we got cast-off Goff and Mr. Irrelevant in the NFC title game. Yeah, and, and we got Lamar with questions. Does that mean Kansas City is a Super Bowl pick? Taylor it, Swift. Well, you know, we didn't talk about that. I, I don't think it's funny. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying it's not chocolate worthy, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is I would, if I could bet my life right now, well, I don't want to bet my life. If I could bet $10,000. You're going to say, if I could bet physics life. <laughs> <laughs> With your, no. Um, and let me ask you, Fez, if, if you, I gave you a $10,000 free roll and we had proof, a deity came down and said, here's the truth, and you believed it. Do you think the NFL has done anything in any way to try to increase the chance of Kansas City winning this game? Oh, of course. Why wouldn't they? All right, so That's what I would do. I, I would bet at even money, I would bet they, they have. So, Scott, you don't think Over. so? Uh, no, I do. But why? I, then why were you? I chuckle a little bit because it's like everyone, everyone corruption is funny. To everyone you? and their mother is is posting things on social media about how the NFL is scripted and with this whole Super Bowl logo thing, and it's gonna. That's why I'm like, I'm uh, part of me wants either the Ravens or the 49ers to lose so I can tweet something out about. But the colors were purple and red. It was scripted. It's supposed to be the Super Bowl. For, forget the colors. I think you got to go back to the Lakers but, Sacramento series, which was like so blatant cheating to keep to get those Lakers. In, into the finals, and, and it's almost like the, what, what the color of money, like the art of the dump, is you got to make it look like you know it's random, yeah, and so it's just happening. It can't be that obvious. Know. Last week's Chiefs Bills game had over fifty million viewers. That's more than every game of the World Series combined. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, well, but last year's division round, I mean, like, no, this is it was the most watched game that besides like a Super Bowl. Okay, yeah. so so that's saying this is. Impactful, moving the needle. Not to mention lead generation for new fans. Mm-hmm. My, so, my wife sat and watched the whole game with me. I don't know that that, that happens every Sunday, doesn't? No, it? God, no. <laughs> so, no. so how 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 many times a month does she sit and watch a whole game with you? She doesn't. Ditto. Yeah, she. We've got t- TVs upstairs. She goes and watches a different TV, but it, she sat and watched the entire game. When you have a mansion, it's nice. Oh, like, there's TVs up here, there's TVs down. Do you have a TV in the bathroom? No. But you have iPads and various devices that go in with you, right? No. You don't bring an iPad or a, your phone into the bathroom? Oh, Always. my phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, you have like a, a thousand. But not various device. devices. What kind of sicko doesn't? <laughs> you have like a thousand dollar device when you're on the commode. I, I think it's very important to be regular on, on an NFL Sunday and you get your business done before 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got time for that. <laughs> remember, remember on, on uh, uh, Succession? When it was the beginning of the third year, he goes, no local foods. If I get the shits, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will say this. If you're looking for maybe a conspiracy, uh, the referee. I'm not looking. I'm, st- I'm staring right at the, one. Uh, the referee for the Casey Baltimore game is Sean Smith. And um, he is the sixth best for road teams in the NFL. Road teams are 52, 36, and 5 ATS with Smith as the official this season, road teams went nine three and two ATS with Smith as the lead official. All right, so the Bills the Bills Chiefs game had a similar thing. The, the official was like the, the head referee was like heavily to the away teams. All right, so let me explain because to me this is the way it would happen. Right, is in the selection of the official. The officials have no idea. There's not a word said to them. We want KC. No chance they're taking that risk. Mm-hmm. 
But they, I mean, think about it. Certain teams are very aggressive defensively, right? So they're holding all the way down the field. Mm -hmm. If you have a ref that throws a lot of flags, that team's in trouble. If you have one that's very liberal, team's in a much better place. So there's these different factors. One of them with the officials is how much does the crowd noise subconsciously affect their calls for the home team? There's certain teams or, or officials that are just home favorable because that crowd, in a way, influences them right at a subconscious level. It's like they're cheering. It must mm -hmm. be right. And other people are contrarian. It's like they hear them cheers and say, no. You know, you're certain refs when they make not a contrarian. Not going to fool me. When they make it. Yeah, if you're not – that kind of call, they do it with vigor because they like it. And then there's other ones that are timid about it. Well, we got. We don't have to guess. We got data. So, can we look? Who was the official last week? Because oh, it is curious. Because Sean Hockley. It was yeah. Sean. Oh, well, he he get, he leads the league in TV time. I think. <laughs> can you look at Hockley uh, with his biases? Now, I'm interested. If you think of Kansas City, what other factors? When it came, I mean, they like guys that don't call offsides. They hold a lot. So you would say their offensive line is is they cheat, yeah, cheat. I don't think that's cheating. I think that's pr <laughs> it's ten yards. It's cheating. No, if you get caught, you, <laughs> it's an infraction. I, they don't call that cheating. That's an. I mean, if someone gets a hold, you're cheating. You cheated. Cheating against the offense, ten yards. All right, so and he's called. Uh, it's actually pretty even. Offensive holding, eighteen for the home team, nineteen for the road team. False starts, 15, 16. No, no, no. The question isn't home or road for that. It's, it's how dominance. It's how often they make the the holding call. See, like per game, you're saying? Yeah. How yeah. Many okay. So we, we need someone that doesn't call holding. Mm -hmm. It's pretty even. The holding one point zero six per game for home teams. One point one two. But what's the league average? Teams. What's the league average of all games? Yeah, that's the question. So it's not the home because the theory is Baltimore doesn't need there to be a lack of holding as much as. Yes. Kansas City because they're going to throw more, so that's the way to look at these. Is is there's di there's the defensive play? I think Kansas City is very aggressive, like holding. And so here's some numbers on Sean Hockley. Since Sean Hockley started in 2018, so they're all during the Allen Mahomes era. Hockley has ref ten games for the Chiefs. They are eight and two. He's ref four games for Buffalo. They are one and three. KC total penalty yards. So one is Buffalo going one and three. That's hard to find them losing three. I mean, yeah. they really haven't lost many games. But the penalty yards is, I want to hear this. Kansas yeah. City total penalty yards in their 10 games, 481. So 48 yards per game. In the four games he's done Buffalo, 359. <laughs> so. Uh, 100 a game. Yeah. So 122 Total yard, total penalty yards separating them in six games. I guess this is not known publicly, but Josh Allen dated his wife for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we didn't know this. What I'm saying is, we didn't think about. The, I didn't think about this last week, yeah. but we're looking it up live on tape, and it's panning out. Yep. Right. So I don't think this is. I mean, I think this is a major. In fact, I'm not. It's sure. the ultimate free roll. It's either a non-factor or yeah. it benefits the Kansas City. The Ravens are six and one straight up, but three and four ATS with Smith as the ref. That's all in regular season games at home with Smith. Uh, they're two and zero oh straight up, but zero oh and two ATS. But here's a question, RJ. I mean, obviously the the Taylor Swift factor is a reason to, to have the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But I mean, you've talked about. 
the the push that Lamar Jackson is getting from no, media. I, he, he gets a push from the media. Nobody I, nobody like wants Lamar Jackson. We all want Mahomes. I'm so, I'm gonna speak for America. Well, America Ooh. doesn't matter. What matters I, I, is what the NFL wants, mm. right? And the NFL wants what brings them money. Yeah. And there's nothing that with Taylor Swift. If it wasn't for Taylor Swift, who knows? If Baltimore plays Detroit, I'm not watching the Super Bowl. If Kansas City plays Detroit, well, you were watching I am. the Super Bowl either. Yeah, way, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. But, but what I'm saying is, the Taylor Swift just makes it all a moot point. She she's so much bigger than any other factor. Yeah. I would make the case, and and you know, I don't know how to say. I'm not sure how much the NFL wants Lamar Jackson up in, in front. I, I I think they want to show him on the field. I think it's hard to look at his interviews and say that is who they want the NFL represented by. I just don't believe that. Well, every time I watch a commercial, Mahomes is in it and Lamar Jackson is not. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, is he in any commercials? Not. Now we can call that racism, but it's like it's still dollars and cents. If you want to just look at one thing with the whole Taylor Swift and 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 whether or not like it has an impact for the Super Bowl, people, uh, media outlets are already talking about her logistics yeah, for pl- getting to the Super Bowl from Tokyo because <laughs> of the last night of her concert is February 10th. Like, the Chiefs didn't even win this weekend yet, and yet media outlets are reporting, <laughs> well, if she hops on the plane then, she'll arrive in Vegas at this time, she'll make it in time for the game. You taking off your shoes, Fez? Yeah, I did. I'm put, putting them back. It's like the I'm like that bad passenger. I in mean, the airline. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. Started talking about flying, and Fez is getting comfortable in the first class. I mean, Lordy, be all right. Undid his belt. <laughs> he vouched. He undid his belt. All right. Okay. Last thing for me, and then we'll get very specific. You know, go over the picks one more time. You know, like what everyone has exactly officially. But, Fez, this is interesting. Home dogs in the conference championship round are break-even. They're not really pertinent today. And then we got big favorites. Seven or more are break-even. But Detroit's right on that fringe. If it goes to six and a half, favorites from four, but less than a touchdown. So four, four and a half, five, five and a half, six, six and a half. In the conference championship round this century, eight no against the spread that feels I'm not one to have you know I like Mark Lawrence and he's you know was a friend of me for a long time or is a friend I mean I don't talk to him often but you know he has those trends that are like a favorite from three and a half to six and a half and I always am like uh that that feels too you know sliced and diced right yeah you know I have to ask you because there's a couple games that I thought I thought that the the dog covered. What, weren't the Jaguars Tennessee? Was wasn't Jaguars laying six and a half? Um, in, conference in, conference championship round. Yeah, in an AFC the title Jack, game. I don't think Tennessee and Jacksonville has ever played an AFC title. No, game. was Max Brunel blew it, and I think that that's the year. Tennessee. Oh, remember this is from two thousand one. So you're talking oh about the nine. When was the greatest show on turf? Ninety nine. Oh, it was ninety nine. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, and I thought that um, Flacco. Was like a six point dog against against um, the Raiders, and the Raiders were in a conference championship game. Yeah, maybe that was maybe that's a divisional round. I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, they beat the Patriots. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, but uh, were, that was ninety. Wow, that was Kurt Warner's year. Was ninety nine? Well, my goodness, I think so. Right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, eight now. Yeah, I mean, I defeated this this century. Yeah, I've got the full list of uh. Conference champion lines by year. All right. So what do you got? Uh, in that four and a half 
to no four four, four to six and a half. Four to six and a half. Uh, we've got New England minus five and a half. Uh, uh, that was against Pittsburgh in 2017. Uh, they won 36-17. Of course they did. <laughs> uh, New England was at Denver. Denver was a five-point favorite. Uh, Denver won 26-16. to mm. um, Pittsburgh I, minus four, hosting the Jets, 24-19. I remember that one. Uh, Indy hosting the Jets. Oh, no, that's outside. It looks like 8-0 is legit. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Pitt- Pittsburgh hosting Baltimore, rests. 23-14. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh-huh. So... It, I mean, again, eight no's, eight no. I mean, it is. Um, I'm sure which one of these teams was favored by five. No, that, that's the interesting point, though, because with Baltimore, we can say, oh, if they clearly go up to four, you might say, well, why not play it now? It's like, and, and that's an important factor, this whole idea of within a range. It's saying this range means something about this matchup. And thus, if the market, let's say the, the Kansas City's injuries look worse mm-hmm. or whatever, and it, if it goes up just on money, I don't want to bet it even if it goes into that corridor because ain't no is not enough to blind play anyway. But if it goes up because of injury, I think it kind of makes sense to say, okay, here's a clearly better team that doesn't have to lay over a touchdown. You know, you, see, you I agree, ain't no is not good enough to play, but I think ain't no is good enough to not play against. No, that's a good point. Yeah. And then the other side is if Detroit gets a six and a half. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, uh, and I think we agree, San Fran looks juicy. Give me some San Fran. A clearly better team, and we'll get we'll, we'll get my six and a half if Debo's out. Okay, so that's yeah. interesting. All right, so we've I like g- that. given a lot of good info. It's been hodgepodgey in different spots. So I want to I want to crystallize it. I want to I want to center it. So n- this doesn't have to be um, like real robotic. We'll start with you, AJ, in the first game. Well, first off, of all the games, what is your one official pick? And then give me some thoughts otherwise. My one official pick is Baltimore in the first half, minus two and a half. All right. So uh, that's official. Now, what else do you like? Uh, in that game or in Let's general? Let's start in that game. Uh, I, I would. I, I certainly lean to the, the Ravens' full game. Uh, I, I like the, the rushing yards over. I like the under. The rushing yards over for, for Lamar. Sorry. Okay, okay. Really? You like the over Lamar's rushing yards, even at that inflated number. Yep. What's the rationale? Uh, I just I think that for him to win, he's going to have to run. That's 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 how they win. And I think the Chiefs are a, a team that's vulnerable to the run. We saw it early last week. Josh Allen was over his rushing yard prop by halftime. Um, they're they're vulnerable against running quarterbacks. Also, Kansas City. Well, do, I don't hear that stat. What, can you get those stats for me? Sure. Running quarterback. Kansas City's um, spy, uh, their linebacker William Gay is injured, and so that would be a big blow to limiting Lamar. Okay, so we'll, we know we know that in the Kansas City scheme, Willie Gay, is it Willie Gay? Willie yeah. Gay. Yep. He is the. What is this? I think my dad used to call this the Red Dog. I mean, are we talking? I mean, I don't think these schemes anymore have one guy that spies the quarterback. No, he is. He is. Hmm. According to my sources, he's the guy. Hmm. All right. Uh, oh, so so. Um, what's your official pick, Fat? Official pick: Kansas City fourth quarter plus a half. The way I see the game playing out is Baltimore dominant team during the first half, taking the lead in the game, and maybe even going up double digits, and then Kansas City coming. Back in the second half. Now that's that's your dream scenario. Yes. All right. And if you had to play the side, it would be what? Kansas City. Okay. So 
So why aren't you playing? You're just afraid of Baltimore in the first. I mean, is this one of those in game? Do you look at it in game? Yeah, because I don't like Kansas City at all in the first half. So there's no reason that I that I want to invest in Kansas City until halftime. But if we look at the first half, second half numbers, there's the numbers are split as if there's no bias either way, right? What is it, two and a half? Yeah, they're dealing Mm -hmm. with a typical 3.75 game would be dealt at. Yep. Okay. So that, I mean, it does seem like Baltimore has enough data that we can say that there is something about the first half with them. What about you? Uh, My official best bet is the under 22 and a half in the second half of the Chiefs and the Ravens game. Uh, The Chiefs defense has just been locked down and their offense doesn't score in the second half this season. The second half under is 17 and two. And even though it was a, you know, a gut wrenching moment last week, it's still cashed under 22 and a half. And the fourth quarter in particular, unders are great in Kansas City Chiefs games this year, 18 and one to the under in the fourth quarter. But the official play is under 22 and a half for the second half. Uh, my lean is... So let's talk about that mm-hmm. a second. Fez, what would worry me about this kind of play generally is, well, how much is the market... Ch- I mean, it's the zigzag in the NBA, right? When it's uh, the first half of game three kind of thing, right? When it's uh, z- uh, 0-2. Is it gets adjusted so much, the value's gone. Has this... There's been no adjustment. It's 22 to- and a half last week also. Okay, but the question is, what was the total? Like, so typically, first half, second half, what so, would you expect in in the San Fran game? So, well, it's the Kansas City game, so it's forty. Oh, oh I'm yeah. sorry, yeah. Kansas. So it's forty four and a half the game. So mm-hmm. I'd expect the first half to be twenty two, and I expect the second half to be twenty two. Okay, a little bit of the grand salami thing. Yeah, divide by two and then subtract a quarter. So that's interesting. It seems like to me. 43 and a half, like if a, if a total goes to 43 and a half, it seems like that there's a real good halftime bet there, right? Because they're not going to go under, to, tr- to go under 21 and a half. I agree, right? Because I, on most games, the first half under, yes, yeah, because it, it seems like that's the spot where you've got a key key number at 44, but the divi- divider hits you at, at above 21. I wonder if all you did was go under 21, I think you'd make money. Yeah, if 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 you played all these all these totals that were like forty four and a half that like took money on the under and just played the first half under. See, I don't. Th- I think it's forty three and a half. If it's yeah. over forty four, you're you're going to go up to twenty two or twenty two and a half, and you're you're not getting anything. For yeah, it. the, the forty three and a half. A lot of times they deal tw- they they deal twenty ones on. They don't, they don't give you twenty one and a half. Well, that seems so impo- you're right. That seems impossible. So you're right. Forty three and a half becomes twenty one and twenty one. Forty three and a forty three becomes twenty one. And 43 and a half, you're right. You still get 21 and a half. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, uh, but but what we're saying is it doesn't look like this second half phenomenon. They're just pricing based on the algorithm for every game yes. that was lined to 44 and a half in the history of the NFL. Now, yeah. we should say that because they're underscoring so much in the second half, it's bringing down the total in general. That but, I agree with. But that means then the first half overs would look especially good. That's a good point. Right? I wonder how – do you have any numbers on those first half overs? Because in theory, it would have to – if there's an artificial depression on the second half that's not being accounted for, it's going to get spread out. Sure. I agree with that. Okay. So we'll let Scott finish in a second if he finds that. Um, If not, then he's done. No. Uh, (laughs) You got anything else? Yeah, 48 yards per game uh, against – that's twice against Allen – Hurts and Justin Fields. So, what are we talking about? We're talking uh, about Lamar Jackson. Jackson rush yards over sixty four and a half. 
Okay. AJ and, likes it. I like it too. Yeah, but but you, what, the numbers you just gave me were about what? Uh, running uh, running quarterbacks that the 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 Chiefs have faced this season. Okay. Yeah. No, I was interested in um, what the. I guess running quarterbacks is a way to look at. It. I generally say, how does a team do against? How does a defense do against quarterback rushing? But who who's the games that were the big runners? Uh, two against Allen, one against Fields, one against Hertz. I and the yards were uh, forty eight yards per game. So that's that means they're stopping him then, right? Mm. I mean, Lamar's way above forty eight. Yeah, well, I mean, Lamar is also the best runner out of all those guys. I don't think he's better than Justin Fields right now. I don't even think it's close, is it? Is oh, Lamar, I, I mean, Lamar's not near the runner he was four years ago, right? I mean, that's by all accounts. Yeah, I think Fields would be the would have the highest number. Yeah, he he certainly has the most carries yeah. too. So, you got anything on that? Uh, I'm just looking for the over under. I have the ATS. All right, so I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk through my best bet for a second. This would be fun because. I'm not sure. I like I got a lot of opinions, but some of them seem to be going in contrary directions. I don't want to bet against. I mean, Fez, you said it best. No reason to bet against Baltimore in the first half, mm-hmm. even if you like Kansas City. Try to get away from that first half, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So, but I don't like Baltimore. But here's the thing: I lo- I think Baltimore is way underrated. You give me Baltimore plus one against San Fran. I love Baltimore in that spot. I love it actually. And I love Kansas City. Now, it just was three, so I can't. It's hard. But plus three against uh, San Fran, I love, love, love. Can we agree San Fran's not going to get upgraded no matter what they do? They can win by 28, and the sense is going to be Detroit was a fraud. Like, there won't be, whoever comes there out won't of that, be a significant upgrade. Whoever yep. comes out of that Baltimore game is going to be upgraded big, unless they get hurt. Ooh, ooh. If Kansas, well, certainly Kansas City. Yeah, you know, Baltimore, so if Baltimore, Baltimore, if Lamar Jackson goes to the Super Bowl, you don't think they get upgraded? Not if they win by three. Oh, I disagree with that. Mm. I mean, against Mahomes, who's no one can beat him. You beat Mahomes and— Maybe, maybe. Okay. Lamar Jackson led the league in uh, uh, rushing yards per game by a quarterback this year. Oh, that's interesting. More than Fields? The um, rushing yards per game— He got 50? 51.3 yeah. rushing yards per game, yeah. And what was his per carry, what was his per carry average? Uh, hold on. Interesting. Chiefs were seven and seven on the first half total this season. So they were under a bunch for the in general. Then okay, the uh, over margin though was plus zero point eight six. Ravens were also seven and seven on the first half over under, and they were minus zero point one four. Okay, but if you really look at Kansas City though, that was kind of goofy. Me saying, "Oh, look to the over maybe in the first half," because Fez, they're like six point four points under on their over under each game this year on average. So. They're the only—this is interesting. Who are the teams that scored less points on offense than expected that made the playoffs? Well, that'll eliminate the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> yes, uh. Steelers were one, uh, 1.3 points less than expected, but they made the playoffs. And the Eagles were 0. .7 less than expected. Everyone else was positive except for the Chiefs, 3.3 less points than expected. Wow. Yeah. I don't want over in their games. And then on, the Bucks were over expectation. Oh, yeah. yeah, Bucks were one and a half points per game over on oh. offense, and but they were th- um, they were three points under on defense. So they they were four and a half points their ATS margin on the year. But actually, what's fascinating about the Bucks was they actually their line they were two they were the biggest underdogs of all the teams. So the only teams that were underdogs, right, as a um, 
as a playoff team, but they averaged being underdogs, was Tampa Bay, 2.3 points. The Packers were average underdogs this year, 1.7. The Rams were a half a point. Steelers were 0.7. Texans were 0.13. So the only team above two was Tampa Bay. So they were the least respected by the uh, spread. All right, so I, I think Kansas City is better than people think, but I think Baltimore is better than people think. So I'm just waiting for one of them to play San Francisco. <laughs> but I think both of them, Fez, both of them get a big bump from a win. I mean, AJ, what do you – I mean, let's get you guys' opinion real quick. Is if 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 – if Lamar beats Kansas City, however it happens, I think they're upgraded. I think so, too. and Because then people are like, well, the, the thing was Lamar couldn't win in the playoffs. Well, now he's playing in a Super Bowl. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I think it changes. You talked me into it. You sure you don't want to just play AFC pick them? But see, I don't – That's so if Detroit – let's think about this. If Detroit – You're going to be the, laying four and a half against yeah. Detroit. Yeah, but here's the thing. I think San Fran's going to win. Yeah, that, that, that's the problem I have. And, so, and then San Fran is going to be minus one against Baltimore, and, and San Fran is going to be minus two and a half against Kansas City. This is the first time I think all season that I've thought Baltimore is clearly better than San Francisco. That's what I'm – I mean, to me, if I can put – forget that there was three out there. If I put in my pocket right now, Baltimore plus two and a half – oh, I'm sorry, Baltimore plus one against – uh, San Fran, and on a perspective line, and then I two and a half with KC. I think I'm beaten, but I I think I feel I think Baltimore's. I gonna think be you're going to beat the closers. I don't know so if you the current line. I, I agree. I don't know if you beat the closers enough to to warrant minus one ten. But if you're going to like it anyways, mm. yeah. Why if you're going to like Baltimore, pick them or minus one against the Niners. Why not bet them plus one right now? Yeah, actually, the the current line was uh, 49ers minus one and a half against the Ravens. And 49ers minus three against the Chiefs. Where's this at? Fandle. Okay. So that's interesting. That's your best bet right there. Both of those. Well, no. I would say in that one, I take Kansas City plus three. So what I would do is I'll put, uh, you know what? This is such an alternative situation. I will. Let's make that. Oh, no. You know why? That can't be, though. If they don't match up, there's not a pick. It's 80%. It's 77% to occur. Yeah. You just need the Niners to All win. right, so here's what I'll do. I'll put half a unit on that, AJ. But it, my other pick, if it if that one doesn't go, it goes to a full unit. So it's – it's um, okay. Mm, no. Well, I'll just be a bonus. I'll be a bonus. That, but I want it on the record. Give me KC plus three on the record. But then I'm going to give another one here. Minus 120. Oh, we don't care about that. <laughs> All right. I know. All right. And uh, that makes sense. Still, I think it's a good value. Still. I agree. If you've got access to it. Um, so I'm not going to play the side there. I, I think KC's going to be tired, too. Boy, I do like... But you played him in the first half, right? Yep. Uh, Baltimore. Okay, I know I don't like San... See, I don't like San Fran at all. So now i got to go to the total because I can't play Detroit. All right, and then Detroit... Team to- who's done Detroit's team total? That was my opinion on the Detroit game. That was it's my, not all my, about you, H. I don't <laughs> care about your your opinions. I, I have a prop bet I want to throw out on well, Detroit. No, no, I'm asking. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get my best bet. I, I think know everyone's might... waiting. I know everyone's waiting to right. give their picks yeah. and silent otherwise. I don't know. I don't know. Because I hate betting. I, I know I don't want to bet under in the Baltimore. So it's only 
We're down to the total on the San Fran game. I think San Fran gets their points, but I know that he gets conservative. I think there's pretty questions. You know what? Why not just like under for the whole game? What's what is the anti? What is the who likes the over in that game? Does anyone like the over Seattle? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, check that San Fran. No, no. Okay, and does, was there any opinions on it? You had an opinion. I my under. opinions on the under, but I narrowed it down to liking Detroit's team total under more. Well, I understand that, but I'm I'm trying to make my best bet now. <laughs> so you like the under? Did you have any opinion on the over under? I had an epiphany uh-huh. as we've been discussing all this. Okay. It's a little next level because of the input that you guys have provided, which I all agreed with. Detroit needs to run the ball, I hear. All right? Detroit has a madman who is ultra-aggressive and goes for it. That's your concern with the total. S- yes. San Fran is um, might be a little more conservative with Purdy, not trusting him as much. And, they're certainly and it's Shanahan's run. default. And, and they're certainly going to run the ball. All right? They play slow. All right? That's not good for the total. But you know what that's good for with all this? It's good for not very many punts. So punts under seven, I know it's a little bit more obscure, but it sure looks like a great wager to me. I don't see Detroit punting. I see Detroit going for it if they're down double digits in the in, in the second half, and I see San Fran with some long ball control drives, punts under seven. That's what the number should be. I like that. I like that. But a punt goes with under. So in a way, if we like the over, we would like the under seven, right? Do we maybe look at a hedge and play punts? Under seven. Well, let's think. I like the under to start with. You're right. Normally, if you like the under, you'd like punts over. Uh-huh. But in this case, I think there's going to be a lot of running, a lot more running than expected. Is punts is, is punts up at um, DraftKings? Because if it is, that'd be an interesting, like anti-correlated two-teamer. Mm-hmm. Now that's a good point. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be punts under and and the scoring over. Though I don't like the over, but I'm kind of interested to see. I don't remember ever seeing puns. Yeah, I don't remember seeing either. But remember, this is a championship game. So Usually ma- they put them up on the conference in seven. In seven, you just came up with from 51. What? 51 okay. would, would equate to a seven. So I've never known. All right, so what equates to six and a half? Like at what point? Like a 53 and a half. All right, so it go, so you're saying as it goes up. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So what, like 44 would have how many puns typically? You'd have like nine. Okay. Boy, do, do you think those numbers account for the coach's propensity to go for it on fourth? No. Is there just any, a chart. They just yeah. Chart. Is there anywhere that's up the um, entire like regular season where you can bet punts? Only like in the Monday night game. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's not up yet. Nothing else. All right. Um, I'm going to st- – you know something? Because I think Shanahan is going to be conservative if they get the lead, I think there's questions with Purdy, just off, even fair or not, off of last week. I think Detroit doesn't – see, I wonder, do I just play San Fran? Because, I, like, I can see San Fran winning 40 to 30. I could, all right? I don't think it's likely, but I can see ways I'm right about this game. It still goes over. So why but, – but I don't see Detroit winning the game. So why not just go San Fran? And and right now the pricing the uncertainty with Debo is priced in right. Well, it's priced like he's going to play, so you might want to say. Why? What makes you think that though? That's what I don't because doesn't those over under for Ayuk say otherwise? Yes, but the I mean my my power rating on the game makes it like six and a half with Debo. Well, that, but that doesn't mean your power rating's right. Yeah, 
I, I mean, think I, I think this is priced in with him not playing. And, and you brought up the Ayuk stats. His numbers at eighty and a half in the three games. I'm counting the Cleveland game that I that Debo didn't play. Ayuk averaged a total eighty and a half receiving yards per game. This number is priced in with Debo not playing. And I'm going to disagree. I and and if if when he gets reported out, I think this number crashes. It, it, the sevens won't hold at all. You'll get you'll get a San Fran minus six and a half for certain. Well, in my both, opinion, both people could be right in mm, that. That's a good that, point. That, that we know that people react to injury announcements that are. I mean, you're the first one to bring that up. Is everyone knows it gets announced and it moves like a point, right? So maybe maybe people is going to react either way, which means you know something. It's what you did last time, and I'm going to take the do the <laughs> fast. Yeah. So here's the move. I'm taking San Fran. And if it ends up closing higher, if it doesn't get to six and a half clean, I have to deal with whatever the close is, like Fez did. But if it goes to six and a half, I want to grab. At any time, you're going to lock it in as soon as you see a six and a half. But but I would make the case it should it has to be out there for three hours to count it for the record, because that way it means everyone could get it three hours. I like that. Yeah, so it's going to be San Fran, and the line will be determined. But it's not a free roll for me because it could go up to eight. And, and ultimately, had... last week, I wound up playing KC plus two and a half because it never became widely available at three. Which is fair, right? Because yeah. you didn't. All right, I'll do that. But boy, this uh, it's funny. I, I'm looking forward to the same game parlay pod. I mean, it'll be a, you know, 10 minutes, 12 minutes maybe. And then you guys have an interview with the guy that mm-hmm. won. Now, he kept, by the way, he kept the streak of smart people coming to the pod. Carnegie Mellon graduate. Then he said, that's not good enough. I'm going – now, again, I usually hope like, – Northwestern people I usually am skeptical of, but you got a graduate degree, right, from Booth? Chicago Booth, yeah. Chicago yeah. Booth. So Northwestern, it's called Chicago Booth? Northwestern is Kellogg, Northwestern Kellogg, and then it's called the Chicago Booth School of Business. So people call But it's it. at Northwestern. No, it's at the University of Chicago. Oh, okay, okay. Then why was I thinking you were talking about Northwestern with Fez? Same city. You were just con- you were condescending. You were condescending to him because I mean Chicago is the, considered the better school. Oh, clearly, University of Chicago is. It like, used to be like top three. Like it was ahead of a lot of Ivy Leagues. I mean, I don't think it's considered that now. Is it? Um, I don't believe so. I think it's like maybe eighth or ninth yeah. now. Oh yes, which is great. You couldn't get in there, Faz. Um, or it was a bad. It was a bad area. The town? chicks were hotter at Northwestern. <laughs> It, it, it is situated in an no, area. I don't believe it, it, it's situated in an area of town that, um, if you've ever been to Comiskey Park, that's that, that would be a good neighborhood compared to the University of Chicago. But so that scared, like you were scared, petrified. <laughs> <laughs> so you do you think you would have got in there? I don't know. Did you apply to Harvard or Yale? I got into. I applied to don't Cornell, lie. Cornell, Northwestern, and Duke, and got into those three. So you didn't think you could even even fathom like getting into Harvard or Stanford. I just didn't have a, a desire to you go. You didn't want to go to Harvard. You wanted to go to Northwestern. You said, Northwestern, yes, Harvard, no. I don't think that I, I would have been happy at Harvard. Well, oh, that's interesting because it would be so challenging? More intellectual type of school, and I wasn't like an intellectual type of guy. What were you? What, what did you think you were? <laughs> I don't know. Party guy, man. It's a big jock. So when you were in high school, you didn't consider yourself an intellectual? No. My sister, yes, not me. 
but you do realize that I always tell you this. It was your older sister. Like you're gonna feel that regardless. I mean, if she's smart, you know, smart, she's gonna seem really smart, right? Her test scores seemed really smart compared to my test scores, RJ. Who's more famous? <laughs> um, I am. She has zero super contest wins. Yeah, she's yeah. famous for being Fezzik's sister. That's right. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but she ended up becoming, not that this diminishes it. I mean, I guess it does a little bit, but it doesn't change. She's a good person, smart, but she was a school teacher? Yeah, she taught physics and chemistry. But in high school? Yeah. Okay. Boy, you, I mean, that's interesting. Like, I wonder what it was that, like, you. but you think she could have done at least, I mean, not saying professional gambling, but she could have been like an actuarial science. Like, oh, God, yes. And she just didn't care? She did, didn't care. Okay. Yeah. Just, she loves teaching. She still teaches. She, she loves, she doesn't need the money. She just loves doing it. I, she's like, oh, yeah. How old kids. was she when she got married? Uh, 23. Okay, so she, but did she go to school? Where'd she go to college? She went to Bryn Mawr in Philadelphia. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's then, a famous Springsteen show that, like, I know oh, that because there's a, a bootleg from like seventy. She met her husband at Haverford. There's like twin schools, and then he went out to Caltech. Because it was an it's an all girls school, right? Yes, Bryn yes. Mawr? And okay. and he went out to Caltech, and she moved out with him, and then they got married. So, but when she was going to school, was it to be a teacher? No, she was just liberal arts. No, I'm she, like hard science. It sounds like yeah, yeah. She was biomedical. All right, yeah. see that makes sense to me because if you fall in love and you feel and that person, the husband was was heading towards a, a, a successful career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then a lot of girls, I think, are if they have that money, if they feel like they're locked in financially and they can have their passion be their career, they become, you know, teacher makes a ton of sense. Yeah. You know, if, yeah, that's interesting. Because that's the best of both worlds in theory. If you have a husband or vice versa, I guess, that's making good money, then, and you love teaching. Because, you, you know, the thing about teaching, and my mom taught for 30 years, so I mean... It's like the money just is. It, I mean, you get off time and all that, but it's not good, great money, you yeah. know. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm thinking in hindsight that I take you and blackjack it, over your sister, poker, sports handicapping. I mean, there was a lot of things. I bench pressing. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Volunteer work, I'll go with her. Exactly. <laughs> See, everyone's got their strengths. Yeah. All right, so what we did was we had some stuff at the beginning that went long. We're going to throw it now, but we're done with our picks. So everyone's been official, right? Everyone's official. And remember, we got our same game parlay pot, and you'll see it in your feed. And uh, otherwise, we'll be back next Wednesday, or taping Wednesday for Thursday. That's the early look, and then we have the week of look. And don't forget, Fez and his props, man. Get ready to go. I know your sister couldn't beat you in props in the Super Bowl. And next week I'll have my record (laughs) ready to tell you what it is. (laughs) All right, guys, enjoy. And here comes a little bit more. It was on topic, but not exactly enjoy. And if not, talk to you next week. Oh, oh, our guest has a question for you, Fez. So um, let me – I don't know. Let's think about this a second. You want to jump on or you want to – All AJ, can you let him slide yes. in your mic? Just it's a quick one, and you can introduce. Now they do. How long was your interview with him? That's going to be on the other about seven eight minutes. Yeah. So this is your your chance in the main pod. Ask your question, sir. Hey, Fez Roman here. Roman, um, what a great name. <laughs> so how do I value and and give an example like a a regular season win total bet? How do I value? Doing it with a, a book like a DraftKings where I have to front the money versus a, a PPH shop where I'm betting on credit. How much how much value do you give or take away from so, that? So, Fez, the, 
when he asked me this, my first thought was he was asking, well, if I'm thinking of playing it or not, if that was the question, how much value do I account for them having to hold the money or not? But really what he's saying is if there's two choices and one has a, uh, obviously it would be the better prices at the post up, the better return, how much can you take less not that I have to post up. Exactly. And it's a great question because I'm not sure my answer is correct, but I'm going to tell you what I do. All right. And intuitively, you guys can grade me on this. So I feel like when I play season wins that I have a substantial edge oftentimes. Like if I was going to bet a baseball game, for instance, it's so critical to get the best number. I want to lay minus 110 and I don't want to lay minus 117 because that's going to be the difference oftentimes between profitability and making a lousy bet. But I'm willing to give up up to like seven or eight cents in terms of not having to tie up any of my money. So I can hold it back for more profitable wagers even. So if I have to make example, let's say I'm playing a football team, I'm going under seven wins, for instance. I'm going to lay minus 110, I'm going to put up the money versus credit lay minus $1.20. However, if I can play so credit— if it's a, if it's a $0.10, cent $0.10, cents, I'll, I'll, I'll bite the bullet and I'll, and I'll put up the money. Mm-hmm. But if it's less than $0.10, cents, if it's $0.08 cents even— I'll go ahead and play it on credit. I'll, I'd rather lay minus 118 than to lay minus 110, tying up my money. Does that sound right to you guys? Here's the thing I think you got to factor in. is, And the whole Kelly thing assumes you have this bankroll. And the reality is even professionals sometimes don't, meaning they got, oh, this money's over here until October, you know, that kind of thing, right? It might be their personal life is getting intermingled. Thus, I think the next question is, could your theoretical bankroll handle betting more on credit? Meaning Mm -hmm. uh, that ultimately you might be, I mean, let's just use round numbers. If you can put $1,000 at minus 110 or $2,000 at minus 120, but you think at minus 120, it's still positive EV. You know, the question is, does the 10 cents more than cut in half like, what is your edge at minus 110? Yeah, and, and part of I'm biased because I, historically I've just, like, every year I make money with these season win numbers. Uh-huh. Like, like I make, Which I, means that you'd want the idea of paying an extra 10 cents to double your bet seems like it would be worth it. Exactly. So maybe I'm being too cautious with maybe I should give up more than 10 cents. Maybe I should give up 12 cents um, because of what you're saying. Because it seems like my ROI on this stuff is typically, you know, closer to like 7 to 10%. Which would be how many cents would you assume that? So our ROI would be double. So let's say my ROI was 10 cents, then it would be 20 cents of edge. Okay. 20 cents of edge. So your edge would be half taken up by paying the extra price. So really what we're saying is if you could double your bet, you're getting the same return in theory with half the ROI, right? So yeah, without po- let, tying up any of the money. Yeah, yeah. So so it does seem like. But but here's the thing: we're not encouraging people to like bet more if it's on credit. It's just you got to have a general idea of how much you could bet if you're not restricted by ready cash. Exactly. And this brings up a great question of you know what is what is my bankroll? What is what is anyone's bankroll? So so if someone has five hundred thousand in a four hundred one k and they've got eight hundred thousand in equity in their home, you know you could argue well that that. 
you know, that's kind of a bankroll because you kind of have access if to you're it. Willing, if you're willing, willing. to sell. Well, or at some point you're going to have it. So it's not like, I mean, the, 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 comparing person A who has that versus person B who doesn't, clearly person A has a bigger bankroll, probably some 40% of that or whatever. You may be, I don't know, 20%, whatever you're willing to, like, to be able to access and whatever you need to to access it, you should probably put into your your sports gaming bankroll as long as you're willing to do so. Because here's the thing. If you're a winner and you've got a, you're a proven winner, and let's say people are thinking that is the most atrocious advice you just gave, Fez. You just said I should think about selling, taking the equity from my home. But think about this a second. What is Kelly trying to do, the Kelly criterion? It's minimize the chance of ruin, right, but maximize your profit when things go well. Well, if there's a chance, a 20% chance, a 15% chance, you'd have to dip into, let's say, getting a HELOC or, or um, what, a HELOC. Is that when you get equity out, but you already own the house? Yes. I, I, no. Or a line of credit, maybe. We'll just it, say it, it, yeah, It's a home equity line of credit. The HELOC is when you have your traditional mortgage and you're paying it off. And you're like, your house goes up, typically goes up in value. And you're like, hey, I'll just take a second mortgage out okay. because I've got this extra... F- Three hundred thousand, whatever, in equity. So why not? You know, go ahead and 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 and. So let's say you have give yourself a loan. Essentially, let's say you have access or equity to access, but it would be painful. Meaning, there's transaction caught. There's all that. That sounds like something to very much avoid. But if you could potentially fifty percent increase your profits when things went well, and the only risk is if things dip down here, which we think would happen one out of seven years, you're going to have to do a painful equity swap or whatever. To me, if you have a strong history of winning, it's it's worth having that mode of safety be the equity and bet more, I think. And, and I actually had this conversation with my professional gambler friend, Brad, who's very well-to-do, and he's got money invested in the stock market and bond funds and things. And I'm like, literally, I'm like, what the F are you doing? You've got like 500000 in crappy bonds earning 5%. And I'm like, Brad, how much do you earn on your season wins? And he says, uh, like... Twelve percent the last is twenty he, years. Is he? Sounds like he's learning disabled. Yeah, that good of a batter. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm screaming at him, and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, so, so you want to earn five percent on your crapola bonds for the year? Or do you want to earn twelve percent on your on your season win bets for five months? Because he's betting less because he has that he money. Won't sell the bonds. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but again, this is a rarefied <laughs> conversation. Meaning, you better be sure you're winning long term yes. to have this conversation. Yes. Otherwise, less is more. The optimal bet for the app for the typical for the best for most people who bet is zero. If you're if the only thing you're getting from betting is is the money side, if it's the enjoyment side. Yes. But let's just say this, if everyone bet half as many or if almost everyone bet half as many games and half as much, as long as that still thrilled you, you could probably net net be better off financially. Yes. What do you think? That's a great answer. <laughs> Though there isn't really an answer. 42 is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Intuitively, I would have said maybe 20 cents or something like that. But See, 20 is... Uh, too, when you say 20 cents, you'd be willing to lay $1.30 on credit versus $1.10, put up the money? Yeah, but I guess... Because that's almost... I mean, you, it's hard to have... Well, especially, well, lose. especially in a regular in the regular season wins totals, because they come out in like March or April, so you're almost talking like... So he's thinking the ten time, months. And remember, the time value of money has two factors. It's not putting it away in a bond or something. It's also how many times could you be betting through that and with an ROI of 10%. Yeah. If, if it's three times through, and, and, that's and, and 30%. We, and we, we talk about that. Like I, I, There are periods of time I always run out of money. Now, it used to be like the Super Bowl. It used to be able to bet no overtime, like minus 600. 
and it's like it, it's like the greatest bet ever. I mean, it could lose in any one year, but it's like throw fifty thousand on that, eighty thousand on that, and it's like you know, all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I started the week with two hundred fifty thousand of walking around money to bet the Super Bowl, and now I'm like, I got nothing left for the halftime. <laughs> Like I said, rarefied air, rarefied air. <laughs> no safety. That's always <laughs> All right. So th- thank you. And you can listen up for Rome. Is it Romulus or Rome? It's Roman. <laughs> Do you watch Succession? I No? I, I, I didn't want to bring it up in, in this room because I know how much you like well, it. Well, Fez doesn't either. Once I found out the guy's name was Roman and people said, you got to watch it. And it was like, oh, now I don't want to watch it just because everyone told me I had to. You're that kind. <laughs> okay. All right, Fez. Good stuff. Take us home. Hey. Hey, hey. Let's be careful out there. I didn't like that change. I'm a little nervous. Thanks.